Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Vaughn with some room past the 20, and Vaughn might be gone. He's got incredible speed, outrunning Bama defenders inside the 20. Vaughn inside the 10, dies for the end zone. Touchdown, K-State. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The Hokel forces a strip sack. He's got it. Inside Bulldog territory, pressure from Fajoko. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Gamer Connell ahead, the ball's out. No whistle yet. And Michigan has the ball, and the officials say it's theirs. Mozzie Smith came up with it. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Second down and nine. McNamara on the move. Let's it go. It's a touchdown. Studemaker. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Third and goal. Looking to tie the game. Oh, they get him. DeMarvian Overshone comes in like a missile. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And it's the week after the NFL draft where three rounds are on combined Thursday, Friday, and then the rest of the draft on Saturday. A lot of players signed as undrafted or non-drafted free agents and even some getting tryouts. We'll have a list of those from Baylor who were not drafted but have a shot. We're going to tell you in a little bit about the conferences, and you probably can reel them off one, two, and three or so as far as the most draft picks. There's a lot to get to, 
but also this story today. Um, there was a story a couple of days ago, uh, CBSSports.com, about Notre Dame football. We have discussed, and for some of you, maybe like ad nauseum, and even sometimes for us about the Pac-12, their media negotiations, Big 12 meetings going on in Arizona. In fact, I think they start tomorrow. But here's a tweet from Dick Weiss. We've had him on before, covers college basketball. Notre Dame wants $75 million annually in new media rights contract from longtime broadcast partner NBC. The existing deal was about $22 million per year. That's expiring in 2025. And then this question, and then I'll give you a follow-up tweet. When was the last time the Irish won a title? Well, I know that. It was in 1988 with Lou Holtz and I think Tony Rice at quarterback. So here's Jim Williams, our buddy, who also put this up right after that. Are they still relevant? The last time they won a national championship. There it is, Lou Holtz, 1988. Do they deserve the break they get in the college football playoff? Not even discussing the $75 million per year. All right, so relevance in this negotiation is not really the important question. It's do they have the numbers ratings-wise to justify it? That's what would justify a raise of that much. Whether they've won a title or not since 1988, that's only matters to people like us who are gauging your success of your program. And Notre Dame, for the most part, is pretty consistently good, although they've had their down periods, but they're good, not great every year. It's been a while. They've been to the college football playoffs since it's been, um, you know, in the four teams. So they've been up in the discussion. They're there. It's just that's not what's important to Notre Dame or NBC when discussing this because the point is, what numbers do they get when they play? And if those are still pretty good, I couldn't tell you what they are. But if their ratings are still very good and competitive with the Big Ten, the SEC, and the other ones, yeah, they're going to ask for more money. That's all that it means to the NBC is ratings. Whether they won a title or not doesn't really come into this. Yeah, I mean, the title doesn't really matter um, to to the brand all that much. I mean, it's, it can still be attractive and not have won a title in a long time. Hence, here we are. I mean, they've clearly still been – Plenty attractive to uh, NBC and others have, you know, talked about courting them or talked uh, incessantly about, you know, what a coup it would be to bring them into the Big Ten, for example, or even the SEC and the Notre Dame brand. Like, imagine what that could do, even though that makes really no sense uh, at all. Just culturally, if we want to always talk culturally, then that doesn't seem to really be a fit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's... I know Dick Weiss has been around a long time, so that's just not some jabroni throwing, you know, yeah. something at the wall. It's also not super well vetted, too, so I'm curious to see what kind of follow-up there is to that. Not to dismiss the report, just saying, like, I'm, I'm curious now if, like, he's thrown that out there of what else we may hear in the next few days uh, from others going, huh, really? Okay, let's dig around into that a little bit, and, you know, maybe there's a little bit more to that. But, I mean, this last round of realignment, uh, one of the major – talking points for some was you know the big 10 expansion side of things with kevin warren before we realized that he was just you know gonna shake things up and leave out the side door for uh you know a return to the nfl uh one of those things talked about was you know the super conference and where would notre dame fit into that and you know the logical place for them is in the big 10 if you were going to narrow it down to two but obviously they have prior to that and currently those ACC ties. So uh, the ACC being locked down in that 
TV contract, maybe that's a way to open that bad boy back up would be to bring Notre Dame fully on in. But I don't know how, having said all of that, how you're getting all that $50 million extra dollars per year that they're apparently wanting because that's the hang-up to me. It's not so much the conference affiliation because it seems like plenty would be willing to open their arms up, but how you welcome them in and then also make sure they're getting $75 million a year when they're making, what, a little over 20 apparently. Uh, that's that's the the bridge that's uh, that's hard to to manage. I think uh, I, on the surface, I uh, I think that you say seventy five, knowing that you'll get between fifty and sixty. Oh damn! Probably, yeah. yeah. So how can you pay and, the bills with that? And this will go into so there's gonna be a lot of this in the chat, and there's gonna be a lot of this when you talk about this. If this story, like when they sign their new media deal and get what will be a massive raise, because if NBC says no. Um, and this is where the Pac-12 would be. Look, Notre Dame would jump the line of the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. They would jump the line of the Pac-12. So if NBC said no to the Pac-12, if they said, or to Notre Dame, if NBC said, oh, you're crazy, we're done with this relationship, which they won't. But if they did, Notre Dame could go to someone and say, okay, for these seven games a year that you're going to get, we would like, you know, we got told no at 75, so we know that's a non-starter. We would like 60. Somebody would be like, okay, yes, yeah. we'll take it because they know they're going to get those ratings. And Notre Dame... I, you know, they know that they're, this is a negotiation. This is how it starts. But so say they get that. The reason that they don't have to join a conference is because they can walk in the room and ask for 75 and not get laughed out of the room. Yeah. They're, they're the, uh, I think there was a time back when UT, the late 2000, 2000s, when they were in, in an incredible role, their athletic department right now is winning a bunch. They win the, the director's cup from Learfield and all that. But there was a time when they probably could have been independent. But I even think a place like that is tough. I think Stanford, because of what they have with their endowment, and I know others have big endowments too, I think Stanford could give that a shot. Look, Notre Dame hasn't won since 1988. Now, they've been close. What, out of those, since that time, how many times have they been at least somewhat close? Would you say five times? And when I say close, you don't have to make the playoff, but pretty good. Maybe five times, and I, 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 I'm guessing there. But uh, they're going to get what they want. NBC wants to keep them, and, and it's just a different part of a media deal. Instead of it's the Pac-12, uh, which, uh, you know, who knows the, how long that will drag out. It's Notre Dame football. And I, Jim Williams made a great point who's been on with us, and so has Dick Weiss. 1988. Now, let's think of some blue blood programs. Abram Smith, by the way, from the D.C. Defenders and the XFL in the championship game now will join us today, former beta running back at 340. So let's think of some blue bloods. Florida State's last title, they won in 2013. That's not that long ago. Nebraska, 97. Notre Dame, 88. Uh, Michigan, 97. USC, 04. Texas was 05. Oklahoma was 01. It's 2000. 2001. It's 2000. 2000. I'm sorry, 2000. Miami was the dominant all-time greatest team in perhaps 2001. So I'm just throwing it out there. So if they had one of the longest droughts among all of them, and there has also been some ups and downs in their program, and uh, Brian Kelly had him trending up. I know that when he left, there were some Notre Dame fans said, good, okay, good, and now he's at LSU doing what he's doing there. And, and, and now Marcus Freeman is on the clock at Notre Dame. Right. That's all well and good, but what do you mean they're going to get what they want? I mean, I don't think they're going to get Dame, $75 million I dollars a year. I, I don't. They, I think that's like Paul said. When you go into negotiation, 
or even in a lawsuit, you say, okay, here's what I want, here's what, and you end up here. No one wants to go to court, right? And, and in this case, you don't want to have, I think they're going to get probably 45 to $55 million a year. Yeah, I don't know. Let's see. Like, this is just a random shot in the in the Twitter universe by Dick Weiss. Again, we don't know where this came from. This is just CBS very... CBS Sports. That's where he initially yeah, got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't see the CBS Sports. So... So that's their their wants, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a genius negotiating tactic to ask for a bunch and then ultimately get what you want. So, uh, yeah, maybe that's the direction that we're headed. But uh, as we know, NBC's already in the college football game outside of Notre Dame uh, now as well. So uh, how much of an appetite is there uh, when it comes to, you know, their money and, and what they want to spend potentially on Notre Dame or whoever else might want to spend money on Notre Dame football. Like, I'm not denying that the brand isn't still, you know, one of the top and most recognizable brands, but I do sense at least out there in you know, some parts of the world, it's not what it once was, no matter if they're averaging 4 million viewers a week or not. Now, look, that's very healthy, and that will get them a major deal, but I don't think it's just the – it's Notre Dame bow down time of, no, uh, of th- this world anymore. Um, and so, yeah, uh, that's, that's interesting. I mean, they're certainly one of those teams that could shake the whole table up uh, if they decided to make a move one way or the other because that would have uh, effects that would, you know, that, <clears throat> get, that would, you'd feel all over the place, I would imagine, if they decided to break away from being independent and go join the Big Ten, let's say. So, yeah, that would be a fascinating a story if they go that direction, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do end up getting. All right, a couple of chats. CFB College Football Plus. Could this upcoming media deal for Notre Dame be what forces them to join a conference? They don't get the money they want. I'll answer that first, if you don't mind. And the other one was Justin. Notre Dame skating by without a conference championship game is the biggest scam in all of college football. I agree with you, Justin. Uh, there are other teams that have played for the championship that did not play in their conference championship game, but they never have to. And then number two, the other one, college football, it won't be whatever they get or don't get from NBC that forces them to join another conference because they're not going to get too much less. Uh, they'll get more than probably the Big 12, uh, for the Pac-12, and maybe even the ACC per year, at least close. Now, what makes them get involved in a conference will be if they get left out and left at the front door too many times in the conference championship playoff, even though it expands to 12. Yeah, so if the rules are against them uh, to do that. But, yeah, I don't think now if you're going to let in a group of five team, you're not going to not let in Notre Dame because Notre Dame is still going to play a better schedule than every group of five team, right? So they're going to have the schedule to, to, to let you in, and other teams will be going into the playoff without playing in their conference championship game. So, And don't forget, Jack Swarbrick was on the committee that came up with this whole plan. Right. So Notre Dame's not going to get left out of this thing because it's very strategically. The, the rules algorithms are, are in place. I mean, everything's in place for them to, to now the whole, well, you didn't play for a conference championship thing. Well, there's going to be a lot of teams in the 12 team playoff that, that may not do that over the year. So that's not going to even matter as much for them because you're talking about 12 teams. The conference championship is going to be important, more important when it comes to, to seating and home games and all that for the playoffs. So yeah, Notre Dame is, is always going to be in the catbird seat and they'll only be in that position to, to, to move in. If 
the economics get so out of whack for them. But if they can do this, and again, they get to their athletic director has as much sway as the athletic of that one school as the other five athletic directors do for the major conferences. And he has more sway than, say, Mike Oresco does at the AAC. So there are uh, no reason for them to, to do that. And with NBC giving the Big Ten big money, Notre Dame's probably saying, well, we know that you got it now. So here's what we would like for our part of the yeah. pie because we've been carrying your sports That's department a, for years. $10 million plus, as Craig said, seven games. Tony brought that up. Boys. Seven games a year for $70 million. That's about $10 million per game just for the ones on NBC. All right, some other news. Here's the number per conference, the NFL draft over the weekend. This has nothing to do with anyone signed that wasn't drafted. The SEC and the Big Ten, there was a run there for the Big Ten where it seemed like eight or nine picks in a row at one point. But the SEC, the Big Ten, then there's a drop. There's the shelf. Uh, the ACC, the Big 12, and Pac-12, 32, 30, and 27. The American with 10, Sunbelt all the way. And then the FCS Division two schools, which is good to see, had 12, team, uh, 12 players drafted. Locally, Travis Hodges Tomlinson, sixth-round pick to the Rams. Good for him. Great for him. So there were two players from this area. I think it was another former player from Temple, Hawkins, who was drafted in the draft. And we know that Quentin Johnston of TCU was a first-round pick. Uh, that we mentioned on Friday's show. Um, Deuce Vaughn, what a great story. What a great moment. When I was driving across town and I was listening to the draft coverage and they were talking about Deuce Vaughn, and I didn't, I didn't keep up with the draft like pick by pick, whatever. I'd go back and look at each round, and I was like, Deuce Vaughn in the sixth and seventh round would make so much sense. And sure enough, his father... The Cowboys give his father gave the father the chance to make the phone call, and what an incredible moment! Deuce Vaughn, Craig, you got to meet him. He was an Earl Campbell finalist, and great. We had him on the show. Great young man. Great moment for the Cowboys, and who knows, man, he might give them a little bit of something every once in a while, like Darren Sproles gave, gave the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, I mean, great player, as you said. Uh, seems like a great young man, and uh, that was a cool moment for that family. Um, his dad, a longtime scout and a member of the Cowboys organization for the Joneses and the rest behind the scenes to come up with a little, you know, surprise for him to allow him to make that phone call to Deuce and let him know he's being drafted to the Cowboys. I wonder what was going through Deuce's head because he called from the Cowboys' main number, it seems yeah. like. So I, I think that probably tipped him off. But then he said, oh, wait, I'm, my phone died. So they, they – I wonder how much he got tricked or how much it kind of dawned on him when he saw that number. But either way, to hear his dad, he had to be a little bit confused initially. And then that surprise, that's cool. Um, you know, he's a, what, an Austin area guy. So he's not that far away from home. Went to Cedar he used to Ridge. to come back to Texas and, yeah. uh, you know, see how his NFL career will play out. And at the place where his you know, father's been a scout and a team that a lot of people grew up rooting for. So, um, yeah, just in many ways, it was a cool thing for Deuce Vaughn. Uh, to experience this weekend and uh, hope that he, you know, becomes that nice uh, number two uh, or one-two punch, um, you know, for the Cowboys. That would be terrific, especially in light of the fact that they've, you know, turned that page from Tony Pollard or from Ezekiel Elliott now to Tony Pollard and and others. Uh, he can play a big role potentially, and I'm excited to see him get the opportunity. All right, uh, I, Paul, your thoughts? I can't wait to see how it how it works out. I I, I can't because I think he is. Look, if you put his numbers up 
against anybody else in the draft and he was the same size. If he was the same size as Roshan Johnson. But he's not. But he's not. So you have to to wonder what it's going to do. But he's still, you know, he's good after contact. He's all these things. If he can be durable in the NFL, I can't wait to see how it works out. I think the Cowboys had to put up with Darren Sproles for so long. And it took Sean Lee sitting in a room, literally, Sean Lee watching just Darren Sproles' film for them to even get close to a handle on him when they were playing. And... Uh, so if they can have that and maybe turn that back to the Eagles a little bit, I'm all for it. I, I hope it works out. Uh, I think you're going to need, you know, in this era of the NFL, you need two or three effective running backs. But if they use them the right way, then it's going to be fun to watch. All right. So do you know that, the, let's say the Cowboys, would you say it's fair to, maybe the number would be the Cowboys had 32 running plays a game. I'm just going to guess that, right? That's Zeke and that's Pollard. And then a couple, two or three, what's the guy's Malik name? Davis. Davis, yeah. who really I always thought was very impressive when he came in. Most of the time another team was worn out or he's just pretty good. So you have 32 carries a game. Pollard is not going to be someone who consistently can get 20, 25 carries a game. But how many – Deuce Vaughn doesn't have to get more than three to five touches if it's the right moments. When was the last time you saw the Cowboys run a screen play effectively? Um, I mean, pre Tony Pollard, never. Uh, and then for, I mean, since, since Emmett Smith, since Jimmy Johnson was running the team and Emmett Smith was where once Jimmy Johnson left, they somehow quit throwing the ball to Emmett Smith, which never made sense. Nobody to me. used to do a, a, the, the screen pass play better than Tom Landry and the Cowboys. And yeah, of course, so you know that's a hundred years ago, but that may be something, uh, one or two times a game, maybe special teams. I don't know, but, uh, I, I do hope he gets some touch. You got to make the team. No matter who his father is, you have to go out and also make the team. Yeah. I, but, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a solid pick, uh, especially given the fact that it's the sixth round. He was extremely productive. This is against his carries against the power, his, against the power five, and these are guys who are in the NFL. 25 for 149 and two touchdowns. 27 for 129. 24 for 181. 12 for 37. 16 for 121 and a touchdown. 26 for 176 and two touchdowns. 26 for 159 and a touchdown. 33 carries, 156 and a touchdown. 22 for 67 and a touchdown. 27 for 229 and a touchdown. 28 for 160 and a touchdown and 22 for 133 and a touchdown. Granted, most of that was on the very long run early in the game, about 85 yards against Alabama, but... He is productive, and that's not even including the catches he made and, and all those other things. So with all the, yeah, I know, but the, it's a, it's a yeah. different animal. Yeah. We've seen that before. We've even seen the most physically powerful running backs. It's like three years into their career, and they change. Look what Zeke – I mean, not three years, but Zeke eventually wore out even recently. We saw what happened with the greatness of even Earl Campbell. Not comparing Deuce Vaughn to that, just the physicality. And then some just they, – they make it. They play a long, 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 long time. Uh, the University of Houston men's basketball team, Big 12 meeting starting tomorrow. This is from Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle. They're going to play a game in Mexico City as soon as next season. All a part of the Big 12's desire to play basketball and football games in Mexico in the next couple of years could eventually include baseball and even women's soccer. I did send a text or two to a couple of people. I sent a text to Mac Rhodes. Did not hear from him. He was traveling today about... Well, is, are we looking at maybe a game or two? Or are we looking at maybe uh, five games there? Or how many football games would Dave Aranda and Baylor make sense because of his Hispanic heritage? I don't know. But that's a pretty good note from Joseph Duarte 
think, as the Big 12 meetings will begin tomorrow. I just say rotate them all through. You know, play, play a couple basketball games there. I mean, don't just send, uh, you know, two teams down to play. You know, have – have a day where you have two or three. Yeah, have a day yeah. where you have the weekend or even if it's yeah. a Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, have a, have a couple of days where you have a couple of games for football. Play one game there every year. Yep. Just, you know, you're, this, it's, it's your, you know, it's, it's BYU and, and West Virginia's turn to play in Mexico City, whatever it is. Rotate it through like the NFL does London games. I think, I think that'll be good. Again, you're, you're growing the brand, and, and that's, that's important. Plus, it'll be super cool to see. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd just like to know more about how this grows the brand. Yeah. Um, you know, what the intentions are outside of just like, hey, we're playing international, so more people know about us. I mean, what is that? But what's the what does that lead to? Does it lead to Mexican athletes pursuing the Big Twelve? You know, like where does that uh, add up to to being a you know a big deal for them down the road? Outside of just like, hey, we're in Mexico playing a game in that wild, like you know, the NFL. Um, and their their London games, they haven't always thrown the best teams. But, I, yeah, I think in this case you throw a couple games at a time at the fans and like a doubleheader or something like that. I don't know how that boils down to what teams would be kind of ticked about losing a home game to have to go to Mexico and play a game. With all due respect, you'd like to have those home games because that's where you make some money. And so I wonder what the money would be like to uh, potentially lose a home game to go and do that or if it would be a bonus conference game that's not really a conference game in the standings like that those are some of the questions that just immediately popped to mind but yeah on the surface it it's a cool idea it's it's something different I, you know they're not the first to play exhibition games we've had nebraska's played in ireland like twice you know or however many times it's, it's happened now at this point it's been games in europe and all of that so this is in line with that but yeah i just love to hear more about his overall vision and you know playing basketball in mexico like what is that turn into ultimately for him uh and and their their grand plans but yeah it's a it's an intriguing idea um and i'm interested to just hear more about it and what that may look like but uh something to definitely uh be mindful of and and you know look forward to hearing more about all right so garrett what have we not unloaded uh, uh there was a couple of players from michigan state who have transferred their quarterback peyton thorne and also wide receiver keon coleman who actually was pretty good. Also, Charles Brantley, a cornerback, is in the portal. Started 11 games for them. So Michigan State with a, with a little bit of attrition over the last two or three days. And I saw when Nebraska's running back and Smothers a, a quarterback, there's guys hitting the portal. It's that time. I thought the portal ended on April 30th. It did. So you could still enter it? They were grad transfer. Grad transfer. That's exactly right. There you go. That's why I asked the question. Thank you very much for that. All right. Uh, again, uh, we'll have Abram Smith today at 340. Also today, we're going to hear from Eric Galco, Optimum Scouting NFL Draft Analyst, as he goes back and looks at the, the best, the maybe not so good. Uh, one quick note, though. When we come back, Craig Smoke put together a list of the non-drafted Baylor football players and where they are going, and then your chat 254-339-1122, that's the text line. What was the biggest storyline for you coming out of the entire draft? Was it the emotions of Deuce Vaughn? Deuce Vaughn, was it the drop of Will Levis early in the second round? What was it for you? Uh, this is 365 Sports.
Your springtime experience begins during the Jeep Celebration event. This month at Allen Samuels in Waco, say big and get a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with total values up to $5,500 on both two- and three-row options. Or if that isn't enough, get a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with up to $5,000 in total values. Plus, first responders get an extra $500. If we don't have exactly what you want, we can help you build the new custom Jeep of your dreams at Allen Samuels in Waco. The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Aaron, it's premium grade East Texas beef, and you're located just outside of Tyler. No hormones, no antibiotics, no steroids, the kind of beef that people want. And then also your label is what catches people's attention as well. Yes, uh, we have a, a all-natural pasture-raised uh, Wagyu beef. It's a USDA label. That means our cattle never spend any time in the feed yard. They go straight from the pasture to the day of harvest, and we oversee the whole process from the beginning of the genetic choices when we make these matings to the time the calves are born to the, the feed choices all the way through uh, when the animals were harvested. So we oversee the whole thing as a family, and we just believe, you know, life's too short to eat average beef, so uh, we uh, offer people a chance to step up their game and uh, try uh, Wagyu beef at TexasBeefHouse.com. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. How did Edward Jones become one of the biggest financial service companies in the world? By not acting that way. Financial strategies, one-on-one advice, it's a big difference. And that's why Brad Wilson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, makes sense of investing. Experience the difference for yourself. Brad Wilson, 250 Sharon Drive in Woodway, 254-776-4337. Edward Jones, member SIPC. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called Semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help is finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to pettyclinicloT.com. 
This is 365 Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Today at 4.30, we announced the 20-member team of the annual Academic All-Stars, 20 student-athletes from around the Central Texas area, from high school, seniors involved in athletics, and also very, very good elite when it comes to academics. We'll do that today at 4.30. So, Craig and Paul back and forth, among others, as far as I was on the list, but I wasn't paying that much attention post-draft. Here are the Baylor players, undrafted free agents, who hooked up with a team. Ben Sims, the tight end. Minnesota, Christian Morgan, defensive back with Green Bay. Connor Galvin with the Lions. Got a note about him. Mark Milton, Panthers. Gavin Holmes, minicamp tryout with Philadelphia. Jacob Gall, Falcons. Uh, uh, minicamp workout with both. And then Khalil Keith, the offensive lineman with the Giants, minicamp invitation. Also on top of that, Isaac Power, the punter from Baylor, has been given. He'll get a tryout with the Denver Broncos. Um, Connor Galvin, from the very beginning of the year, back when they first played, it wasn't Albany because I wasn't at that game, but it might have been somebody on the next team up. I don't know. But was told about his upper body strength. He benches fine. He's tall. He's cerebral. And, and kind of just in, in talking to Eric Mateos a couple of different times, was he didn't run really well at the combine and that uh, they're, they're just – it, it's like the scout of an NFL team told me back in September that there was something missing from him and they didn't see the jump up from the year that they mauled people on on offensive line and what he did coming back. He does get into camp, but so not surprising that he was not drafted. Yeah, he. Um, I know it was disappointing for him, and he had he didn't have the best year on the field this year either. Uh, I know it was disappointing for him that there was no um, that he he didn't get that bump, and it wasn't there wasn't the bub, buzz around him. But uh, he is where he is now. The Lions uh, actually. Uh, this is the first time in my life I would have said that. It's not really a bad place to land right now. Looks like they, they actually might know what they're doing for the first time in, in forever. But, um, the, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But it that Baylor offensive line to not have that many draft picks, given how many veterans were on it, was really kind of surprising to me. And, look, I knew that Jacob Gall would be a guy who had to do that because he's not – you look at, you know, the guy that just drafted in the second round, Joe Tipman, at 57 out of Wisconsin – He's gigantic. I mean, he's like a six-foot-five center, and he's huge. Jacob Gall, um, actually, he's more built like an old-school fullback, uh, if you look at him. So he was going to have to do that. But for Connor Galvin not to get drafted, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, Siaki Ika did get drafted, so he was not on that list because he was selected. But uh, all the rest, I mean, that wasn't a surprise. I said for the last two, three months that uh, Siaki Ika was the only – surefire draft pick they were going to have and well uh, he was the only draft pick they ended up with not that I'm always right but it was just pretty clear that there wasn't a great amount of buzz or desire uh, around the NFL to go and pluck any of these other guys because of various questions Uh, you know Ben Sims has got some nice attributes and I think he could hang around but I don't know that they were so good that you're like yeah he's a he's a guy we have to draft I mean he he was a you know, a guy, though, that I think in undrafted circles was probably a pretty good get. Connor Galvin's got problems as far as his weight. Uh, he's not very big. He's six yeah. seven or whatever, and he's like barely 300 pounds or slightly over 300 pounds. That sounds good. 
but it means he's like a tall building and he could be knocked over pretty easily compared to, you know, guys who are maybe slightly shorter and 300 pounds or are six, seven, but they're like 335 pounds and they're naturally built out. He's, he's a, he's a guy who's tall and skinny basically for the position. Uh, so that, you know, harms him. He doesn't have great strength either for being six foot seven, partly because he's slight for the position, but he's just not big and powerful like you would expect or want a guy of that height to be. And so that worked against him. And, um, you know, as far as the others go, um, I mean, none of them did anything last year that made you go like they NFL's crazy if they pass on these guys. I mean, Mark Milton was fine to, uh, you know, well, the secondary really wasn't something you wrote home about, but, you know, he's got some speed. He's got some athleticism that maybe he could hang around in the NFL for a little bit. Gavin Holmes, I mean, he's dealing with injuries constantly. Uh, Jacob Gall's not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, Khalil Keith had, um, you know, multiple opportunities to become a big-time draft pick and never seemed to fully take advantage of him. By the end of the year, he was getting suspended so and sent home from the bowl game. So I, I can only imagine that, you know, you go and sit down with NFL guys and they're like, so tell us how your career ended again. You were at the bowl game and you got sent home. Explain that to us. And that's just not the, the note you want to get off on. Right. Um, so... I mean, each guy, whether it's size or injuries or off-field or whatever, uh, everybody has something, and that's the case across every program in America because thousands of dudes did not hear their name called, so they're by far uh, not alone, or they're by no means alone in this. But, yeah, it was disappointing, just one guy. Um, and, and even then, Ika, I mean, he almost went day three. Yep. He was like three picks from going day three. I sat there all night waiting for him. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't necessarily expect him to have to go in the second round. But then you got, like, halfway through the third, and you're like, is he going to get picked tonight? Like, really? So, and then, you know, you listen to the Browns conference, and they're like, well, we had a debate, and, like, he almost didn't get picked there. If he wouldn't have gotten picked there, he's probably a day three guy. So, you know, I I don't think that's an indictment or anything, but I do feel like they're going to have to, um, you know, improve that as they go along, this coaching staff, as their, their NFL ranks. And last year they had a great number. Uh, this year, a little bit of uh, of a disappointment just having the one guy, but I'm very curious to see kind of how that how that goes these next few years. All right, so coming up, he scored a touchdown yesterday in the XFL semifinal game for the D.C. Defenders. He's led the league in rushing uh, by far over everybody. Former Baylor player who set a record for most rushing yards in a season in 2021 and looking for an opportunity perhaps to get into camp here in the spring and or summer. Former Baylor running back and D.C. Defenders running back, Abram Smith, next on 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com, Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, and used to be. What does that mean? As you get older, one in four men have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. The one that gets most of the attention is your sex drive, ED, whatever, but also it could be your energy, it's sleep habits, body fat, something's not right. You could also take care of that in other ways with your diet and perhaps staying fit. But testosterone is something that works against you, at least in one out of every four men. So if any of that is an issue for you and there's nothing wrong with admitting it, go to PettyClinicLowT.com, email and phone number, top left-hand corner. Tell them I sent you. Dr. Petty and his staff will set you up to get your blood work, Take care of that for you, and then when the results come back, contact you. And if your levels are too low, 
Dr. Petty can put you in a program to help increase all of what your symptoms are or get rid of them or make them a lot better. PettyClinicLowT.com. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC see an equal housing lender. Dozens of 2023 Buicks are on the lot and priced to move at Richard Carr Buick, a prestigious luxury SUV without the luxury price. Experience the quiet escape and premium drive of a Buick SUV on a test drive today at Richard Carr. Right now, qualified buyers get a 2023 Buick Encore GX at 3.9% for 60 months, plus save 1,000 dealer discount or save 3,500 on a 2023 Buick Enclave Avenir in stock. See dealer for details. Count on us. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, Ideal MRI.com. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes each week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, and more. If you haven't been there in quite some time, you're missing out on the improvements for our members. New flooring in the weight room and locker room, new paint and mirrors added in the weight room and group exercise room, with more new machines arriving over the next few months. New free weights, weight machines, t 
TRX rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new elliptical machines on spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, and Alex Botch, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. There's sauna, whirlpool, tanning bed, and kids club. The amenities are great. 16 tennis courts plus an 1,100-seat stadium court, eight pickleball courts, youth and adult tennis and pickleball lessons. Visit our website, wacotennis.com, or visit Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. The XFL about to have their championship game in a couple of weeks. Yesterday in the XFL, the Washington Defenders clinched a spot in the final. Abram Smith, former Baylor running back, record-breaking running back, scored a touchdown. D.C. was tight at halftime. It was 9-9 watching the game, and then they exploded to start the second half. And we're now joined by D.C. running back Abram Smith, former Baylor running back. We do not have him yet. Okay, you have the number? Just talk to me, Garrett. I don't have the number. I got him on here, but the video's not up. Okay, can we hear him? Abram, can you hear us? Yeah, uh... You got him? Okay, there you go, Abram. Uh, great to have you. Uh, appreciate your time. So uh, what did yesterday mean, your first year, first year for the XFL to be really back? Your thoughts about getting to the championship game, and what was that like? Uh, Abram, this is a city, D.C., that's starved for a football title. I watched you guys a couple weeks ago, and you won running off the field. I don't think I've seen fans uh, that thrilled about something in that city in a while. Abram, uh, you got the opportunity with D.C. there, obviously. That's why we're talking to you today. But what's it been like compared to your expectations of just the uncertainty about this league relaunching and the rock and just, you know, knowing the history a little bit? Uh, just what's it kind of been compared to what you initially thought going in? So there was a little bit of a scary moment in that second half when you landed out of bounds and you were down for a little bit. Uh, what was that? Was that just you got dinged up? What happened there? A couple of weeks ago, you and I, maybe a week ago, you and I are on the phone. We had reached out to you. And then Stacy, thank you, Stacy, from the D.C. Defenders for hooking us up today. But I mentioned about, well, you know, if you do get to the championship game, and you didn't say this like out loud, but just to me, you went, we'll be in the championship game. You're pretty confident from the beginning, weren't you? 
Abram, part of, you know, especially guys in your position having to navigate through is, you know, they've, they've kind of devalued the running back position. What do you, what do you think you've put on tape to show the NFL this year to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm ready to go. Abram, uh, who are some guys uh, that you've maybe knew beforehand, gotten to be around and enjoyed, or maybe some guys that you didn't know as well and you've gotten to know them now as good teammates and, and some friends of yours at the, at, you know, after having played together this season? Abram, did you watch how many of the the Baylor games did you get a chance to watch last season? So they had some running backs. Obviously, uh, the freshman Richard Reese gave them a lot, but there was something missing. Did you notice what that might have been? Uh, it's an even deeper now. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, some of the younger guys coming in, some of the transfers. Uh, Dominic Richardson, who you played against when he was at Oklahoma State, is there. Um, what, um, I mean, what is Jeff Grimes and, and the way that he relies on that running back uh, room? Like, what is that built through the offense at Baylor when it's so important to focus on that particular position? So you guys get a little chance to decompress this week, uh, just go about your business, and then get focused back next week? What's that like to know that you're going to be coming back to Texas and playing a Texas team? Does that make it any more special at all to – to have that surrounding this championship game? Abram, there were teams that gave you a look out of Baylor. Do you feel like it, even though you, I know, 100% focused on what happens in a couple of weeks in San Antonio or even today, but do you think that because of how you have played that you might 
get a nibble or two following your season? So you're in a city in D.C. that has had a horrible stretch when it comes to the Washington, was the Washington Redskins, now the Commanders. Paul brought that up. They've been, they've been begging for something in football. Uh, I think they had an Arena League team that was pretty good, but other than that, it's been the other sports. Do you feel that? Is, is that even, like, out there in the atmosphere? So the XFL, it has had a run. I mean, the television numbers, we've looked at them along the way. There have been some weeks better than others. What would you say and how would you describe your experience in the XFL? Last time you played Seattle, what was it, 34-33? Do you remember much from that game in Seattle? And, and you're two twi- I think you've played them twice, and both games have been pretty tight. So this is a, a th- it's hard to beat somebody once, much less three times. Abram, we're proud of you. Uh, congratulations on scoring yesterday, also the year you've had, and then good luck in a couple of weeks against Seattle in the championship game right here in your home state of Texas. Thank, uh, you too, buddy. Good to see your face, uh, Abram Smith. Via, thank you, Gary. Great stuff with that. Thanks to Stacy with the DC Defenders. Uh, we were trying to figure out. We almost had him Friday, then it didn't work out. And then, of course, had to wait to see what happens. If they would have lost, there might have been exit interviews for a day or two. But appreciate her getting him on the show today. Look, I, I would not, you know, mind seeing him in the – look, the Cowboys need to have a long-term plan at running back that, that potentially doesn't include Tony Pollard, right? Because you don't want a one-year deal. You draft Deuce Vaughn. Like, I think ideally it works out. Deuce Vaughn, they hit on Deuce Vaughn, and then – you know, Tony Pollard's there for another couple of years, but say they had decided to let Tony Pollard walk, they do hit on Deuce Vaughn. You got to have somebody there that has a different skill set than Deuce. Abram and those guys are, are somebody there. If you're going to, you know, have to right now go back into free agency to do it, I'd rather see them, you know, take a flyer on a guy like Abram uh, than bring, I mean, honestly, than bring Zeke back at what is still going to be a, a cheap for Zeke, but still NFL veteran minimum. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what uh, kind of demand there is for XFL guys. Yeah. Uh, just because, I mean, we're t- you know, if we were talking about a cornerback or something, then I'd be right there with you. We're talking about running back, yeah. though. Like that, I mean, that's the thing. And I love Abram. Uh, he obviously got a crack uh, last year, but he didn't get drafted. You know, there, there was that element. Uh, he got a lot of carries at Baylor. He's getting a lot of carries in the XFL. You know, and he doesn't have necessarily – I'm sorry, I'm dealing with allergies crazy today. I can tell, yeah. Um, but he doesn't have, like, you know, crazy speed. And, again, I love him as a player and all that, but I'm just being realistic. Like, the running back spot is really hard to, to get a crack in the NFL these days. So, if he's going to get one, it's going to come off the heels of this year. And what he's doing in D.C. is leading uh, the league in rushing – um, and, you know, he's he's been a bell cow of sorts for them, even though there's some other guys you mentioned, like Puka Williams. But, yeah, I would think at his age, with the, the stamina he's showing right now, it'll be, you know, probably fun to watch, you know, what may come his way here in the next few weeks. But it's not a, a sure thing by any means. And the, the okay part about that is the XFL seems like it's establishing itself, and it seems like, they're probably going to have a successful, you know, follow-up because this year's gone pretty well from all indications. I mean, they're not competing with the NFL anytime soon, but as far as serving as a spring league that, you know, gets a few hundred thousand people to a million on occasion, uh, they've, they've done that, and they provided that alternative. So, uh, you know, uh, either way, he's going to be continue playing. He's going to continue playing football, but I do hope he gets that NFL opportunity. We just have to bear in mind for running backs, there is a very – small and short window and Ezekiel you bring him up and uh, he I think he's proof positive because he went from the biggest baddest thing of all time and he lasted years don't get me wrong but where's he now like he's he's an afterthought already you know in in what seems like a very short amount of time I hate to say this I'm not because he might get in the right spot he's somewhat and it's not fair to use the term damaged goods because it's just father time it's a tough sport like I think the Cowboys are going to want to you know bring, I mean? bring Adrian him back. Peterson ran forever and even had a pretty good year with Washington. Eventually, as good as he looked, you know, he he eventually just ran out well, of – he was gone. Well, part of Adrian Peterson's longevity was what God did. You know, like that's – that he was built – there's not – if you look at running, like even the best, like he's, he's built different than Walter Payton was. Like he was built like a robot more than anybody else and lasted longer than a lot of those guys. He and Frank Gore just – God said, you guys are going to be able to withstand this game for longer than most at the position that, that most. Peyton uh, played can. a hell of a long time, yeah. too. So, he really did. But, you know, and. And, of course, Emmett. Yeah, and, and, but he just said a different thing. I, I, um, I just, I, I, value, I value maybe a little bit more than the teams do because, you know, I, I think part of the reason the Bills can't get over the hump is because at the end of the games, they can't turn the ball over running back and go. Yeah, wear them down. Yeah, yeah. I remember the days when the Cowboys, when they first started with uh, Zeke, of course, Emmett and them did that. But even though when they had the combination with Marion Barber and I guess Felix Jones or whoever, they had that Julius kind of, Jones. Julius yeah. Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing about running backs is that, yeah, you, you, there's, there's a short time span. And then again, you might just have someone not show up off the street. That wouldn't be fair to say. Remember with Shanahan in Denver, Mike Anderson. Quentin Griffin, uh, they, I mean, they just stuck somebody in. There was another guy that was just a, a, a milk truck guy. And he, 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 he just says, and that was the same type of, uh, what, that wide zone, that zone blocking. Yeah. 
Yeah, but so to you be never, I'm not saying he's going to get a shot, but I bet he probably at least gets a look at a possible camp invite. Yeah, I think he can get a camp invite. That's also the Broncos were doing that 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 not a you know you don't have to have Bijan necessarily, but things are slightly different. And yeah, the running backs just it's a position that's not quite what it was, um, and I don't think it's ever quite come around to its its glory days and uh, all that time since. But yeah, in a system like that, he could potentially thrive i just don't know how many opportunities like that are are out there for a guy like abram much less following a draft weekend when you just saw dozens of new 21 year old running backs right. you know burst onto the scene who have been sharing carries in college and haven't been bell cows and have more speed and all those types of things so yeah right situation uh, could be great for him, but he's in a pretty good one right now, and, and good luck to him. Eric Galco looks back at the NFL draft. If you have a question, he's an NFL draft scout for OptimumScouting.com, and someone get Craig some Kleenex. Uh, we'll have him on in the next segment. And if you have a question for him about a specific, uh, not so much a team because everyone had six to ten draft picks, whatever, but a specific maybe player or a matchup or something that you saw that you want to ask Eric Galco in the chat room, not the text line here, but the chat room. Please do it. We'll try to get him a handful of your questions. And this is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. It's a new month. So all of what they had in April, and there's some of that that might be brought back for the month of May. But for the most part, here's what they have right now. I got these from Ted Teague and also Lexi at the dealership. Amazing deals on new Ram trucks, the Jeep. SUVs, the Chrysler, sedans, minivans, and Sporty Dodge. Alan Samuels committed to taking care of you, the customer. I'll tell you this. I got a letter in the mail from AJ. He sold me my Explorer back in the summer of 2020. It was a pre-owned car. We're walking around the lot. There's some car. And I was like, what, was, what is that one? I've always liked the look of the front and just the, how long a Florida Explorer can be a four-door. And we went over and looked at it. I got, an, I got a letter in the mail today from him just saying hi to me. At Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat. That's not just saying, hey, I like you, I like you, I like you, I like you, you buy, I like you, then disappear. That is three years after I bought my car at Alan Samuels. That's who they have. They're stocked full with what you need when it comes to new or pre-owned. And, of course, used cars, trucks, SUVs, and also minivans. Alan Samuels with Ted Teague, the GM, an academic all-star sponsor, will announce the team at 430 at uh, on the Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Boots add protection. Good boots help you climb better and move forward faster. And when your son or daughter steps into the boots of a U.S. Army officer, they also learn how to lead. 
In these boots, they'll gain more confidence with expert training in one of more than 150 occupational specialties. In these boots, they'll stand a little taller and lead a team with diverse backgrounds and areas of expertise to successfully accomplish whatever challenge comes next. In these boots, they'll earn respect with valuable experience from day one that will give them solid footing for success into the future. Highly qualified candidates who earn a spot on our team can receive comprehensive health care coverage, college tuition assistance, and a bonus of up to $40,000. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Let Camille Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch, or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors, 104 Midway Center in Woodway, or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, warm. Welcome home. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lake Shore Drive, North 19th Street, right behind the bank, is a hidden gem in Waco. If you're a fan of bourbon, especially local Texas bourbons, that's where you gotta go. Balcones, TX, Devil's River, whatever it is, they've got it. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, plus the best selection of craft beers in Waco, seasonally churned out throughout the year. Whether it's spring, summer, fall, or winter, Riverbend Liquor and Wine, best selection of craft beers, a speedy drive-thru window, an excellent customer service. Find out more on Instagram or just go by and see them. Lakeshore Drive at North 19th Street behind the bank. Waco Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef and chicken fajitas and always large briskets available plus fresh vegetables so the great product customer service and family tradition of the bauer family continues at waco custom marketplace open monday through saturday a full service butcher shop and bakery available waco custom marketplace 425 lake air drive in waco or wacocustommarketplace.com is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Thanks to Abram Smith waiting on Eric Galco on the draft. By the way, Scott Abraham works for News 7 in Washington, D.C. yesterday. First time since 92, a pro football team in D.C. will play for a league championship. And then he was corrected because of the league, Arena League team, the Washington Valor. But uh, 
First time an outdoor football team from Washington will play for a championship with XFL, D.C., and Seattle. We're joined by Eric Galco, someone who is saturated before, during, after the NFL draft from OptimumScouting.com with Craig and Paul, and I'm David Smoke. Eric, thank you so much for your time. Do you just crash and burn after the draft is over? No, we're, uh, you know, I obviously run the East West Shrine Bowl, and we're on to next year's scouting for next year's players. So we've uh, been doing it for a while, and the draft is fun to see where our guys end up and where each NFL team usually does. But right now it's on the next year a little bit. But certainly it's a, it's a long process and a grind, and it starts May 1st, 2022 into this year's draft, and now it starts May 1st, 2023 into next year's. Eric, was there anything in particular – Let's just go to round one. I know it's been a few days, but anything in particular with round one that, like, just you, you kind of raised your eyes and went, what? You know, I think the Dallas, the Denver, I'm sorry, the Detroit Lions, that, that's the right team, the Detroit Lions, um, and kind of where they took guys. And I think they're really the only team in the NFL now that really kind of put positional value away to the guys that they liked. And, you know, it's easy to say the Lions made a mistake or did something wrong. If you remember, they, they've – they drafted pretty well the last few years. They got Penny Sewell. They, they drafted the right players each round. So I think they've earned a lot of respect. But I think this is a front office and a coaching staff now that is trying to go from building a culture and putting talent in the locker room into building a Super Bowl contender. They feel themselves that way. So going running back and linebacker made a lot of sense in 2003, not as much in 2023, but a thirteen that fields are only a few pieces away from being great. So it's certainly intriguing. Not just like good or bad, just definitely I was I was intrigued by that like most people were. What did you think of uh, what the Cowboys maybe did early on, especially with Mozzie Smith, Luke Schoonmaker, Demarion Overshone? Yeah, I mean I, I think Mozzie Smith has a ton of upside. And if you told me or anybody that in, you know, five, six years he's one of the best players, especially defensive players from this draft, I think scouts wouldn't tell you that'd be crazy. I mean, he's got that type of athletic upside, the tools to get better. He's somewhere between a Chris Jones kind of impact player that the Chiefs have, as well as they have like DJ Raji, who was a staple for the Packers for a long time. And again, he's got to make some strides to get there and kind of play more consistently. But the upside is it's hard to find in that position. I thought that was a great pick if they wanted to pass on tight end at that time. And, and they got a guy that played the East-West Shrine Bowl this year, Luke Schoonmaker, in the, in the late second round, who, for my money, was one of the best ends in the but I think he's one of the few complete tight ends. I think after Michael Mayer, Luke was kind of the next guy that you can trust as a blocker, short area receiver, and, and, and downfield pass catcher in the entire draft. None of those two picks were still two big needs for them. They got two guys that they can start right away and top lot upside to go. Again, Mozzie Smith and Luke Schoonmaker, along with being from Michigan, were two of the best athletes at their position in the entire draft. Eric, where did you stand on DeMarvion Overshone? Incredible athlete, super long guy. Seems like he'd fit really well in the in the league. Obviously, third round's a, a nice spot as well. But uh, what did you think about uh, just the fit there in Dallas with him? And what were some things you liked and maybe didn't like about his game? Yeah, I think a year and a half ago, two years ago, way Overshone was kind of projecting, looked like a first-round pick kind of guy. And I think for him, it's a matter of being consistent and really putting it all together, going from a guy that has the length and physicality to win run fits, and then consistently winning in run fits. The guy that can match up with tight ends, running back to the backfield, and then doing it with good footwork and timing. So I think for him it's a matter of can he do it on a consistent basis because when it's right, he is an NFL starting linebacker and one of the rare tools guys in that position just hasn't been right consistently at Texas. So again, this is a guy that the Cowboys love to target, the guys that were either five-star recruits or were ascending up and just haven't got to that peak yet. 
I think with a year of coaching and kind of playing a rotational role and seeing how it's done right in the NFL system, again, this is the guy that we could be looking at in four or five years saying, yep, he was one of my best linebackers in the entire draft class. So a lot of upside there. I think there's questions on if he'll actually reach it because he started so many games at Texas. But talent-wise, upside-wise, this guy has NFL starting-level ability and then some. Eric, if he's going to be inconsistent or has been inconsistent, and you're right, he could be a highlight reel, and then all of a sudden you couldn't find him. Is that something you would do in the third round? Absolutely. I think for – and a guy like him that, you know, at worst for Overshone is going to be a really quality multi-linebacker positional backup, right? He can offer value at multiple linebacker spots. He's done the Texas, played a few different roles. He's got the length, the physicality to be a good special teamer. Like, that's his floor – as a player in this team. He's going to be on the roster his entire rookie deal unless something else happens and probably then some if they want. And the upside being a guy that has flash starter level ability, even if you're somewhere in the middle, that's great value for a third round pick. And he has first round upside and probably third, fourth round floor as a quality backup rotational player. So I thought it was a great pick. I thought he'd go in round two based on all those factors. So getting him in round three, if they get a starter out of him, it's really gravy at that point. Uh, you you are at the East West Shrine Bowl, Eric, and uh, one of the players I thought was the most intriguing coming out of your game because he wasn't invited to the combine and then started to get some buzz. Chandler Zavala from NC State got drafted eventually by the Panthers. Uh, really started to, to heat up after after your game in Vegas. Yeah, he, he was a guy who had 15 players from the Shrine Bowl this year not get invited to the combine and still get drafted. And it's one of those things where I think NFL teams just were late on him. That's what NFL combine invites mean is that at least half the league wants to see in Indianapolis and more than half the league didn't want to see Chandler. I think he proved at the Shrine Bowl and the whole process. I mean, that poor kid, I think at the end of the day, he had about 28 team visits between late March and late April. I mean, that kid was exhausted, but everybody wanted to see him and not at the combine. So, so he was one of the best players we had all week long too. I think if he was a combine invite and had all those medicals done and teams felt comfortable with them, he may have been a second, maybe early third round pick. So, one of our bright spots for sure of a guy who actually used the game to kind of pull himself up from a guy teams weren't familiar with or kind of rejected to a guy that teams couldn't wait to get a hold of on early three. Eric, what's that proce- uh, process like? I mean, not only, you know, obviously studying guys and scouting guys and then inviting them and all that, but just that, that week of getting to be around them, how much more insight does that provide? You know, it does. And I think it's a good microcosm, the all-star game process in general, of how the NFL scouting process works. And I, I talk to Cowboy Scouts. I talk to every scout throughout the year and kind of combining their feedback and their notes. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to put the best players in the field for them to draft. I don't get to draft the team. So it's about working with them, but also kind of helping them and, and being a second cross-check of sorts and say, hey, here are the guys you want to see. Here's maybe 20, 30 guys you, you, you maybe didn't want to see yet, but just trust us, give them a try, and see if they're good fits as well, too. So I think it's really valuable for all-star games, not just to kind of see the top guys and enjoy them, not just to see the guys that are fighting for for draft spots and, and who could be the best of the receiver group or offensive line group. But I think it's really about finding guys that maybe you didn't like in the season, seeing them do something else, and then seeing if they thrive. Chandler Zavala is a good example. He played left guard and right guard, dominated against most tackles and edge rushers and was really impressive all week long. Kobe Turner of Wake Forest was an FCS transfer, went to Wake Forest, didn't start, came to the Shrine Bowl, crushed it, went 87th in the draft with no common invite. So all-star games are really dialed process for the teams for all different reasons, and they can let the guys able to help themselves in that draft process. Two undersized college football players that we got to watch a lot, and uh, one of them we covered in high school, 
Trevious Hodges Tomlinson, who went to the Rams in round six. Deuce Vaughn, the great emotional call from his father for the Cowboys in round six. Your thoughts about either one of them, and did you think that's about where both would go? First off, so cool about, about Deuce and his dad and, and that moment. I think everyone is in unanimous agreement that's a cool moment. And I think it's impressive because I heard the same thing the Cowboys had said where where his dad wasn't involved in any discussions about Deuce as a player. And they really they drafted him on his and it's fit with the team, not for any sort of favors, which is even further validation of how impressive Deuce was. I bet he got an extra critical eye from that staff. So I think he, he fits in. Certainly the, the Cowboys need some need a running back to step up with, with Zeke off the roster and Tony being the guy. So they need someone to step up. But I think Deuce won't be the guy that can handle the ball 10, 15 times a game. But I think in a 7 to 10 spot, he definitely could. And I think the Eagles using Boston Scott the way they do could be a good – I think idea of how they how they could utilize Deuce Vaughn and, and Dallas. And then Trey, you know, again, Trey came to the East West Rhyme Bowl as well. He was still banged up in the season, so wasn't able to go and practice, but talk with every NFL team. I think NFL teams just saw that, hey, it's it's cliche sometimes, but this guy just knows football. He knows when to go off his coverage and make a play by himself, or he knows when to blitz when maybe the play isn't called for, but he just has the instincts to do it. He can cover running backs, can cover receivers, can you know situationally play some zone against and can go off and, and go off and make plays as well too. I think I always felt both those guys were going to get drafted despite their size because they just really know how to play football and can fill a specific role. For the Rams, Trey is a perfect fit for their defense. They've always had guys like him the last three, four years. For Deuce, they need a running back, and he's the only guy in the roster to do the kind of things that he does besides Tony. Is there any doubt whatsoever that if the draft was held tomorrow, hypothetically held tomorrow, Caleb Williams would be the first pick in the draft? There is a very small amount of doubt. I think Drake May is a pretty special player. I think Caleb has a high expectation right now, and he's going to be a player right now. He's going to be victim to some over-evaluation here at some point where everyone's going to constantly wondering not how good Caleb is. We're sure he's the top guy, but I'd be pretty surprised when it's all said and done based off Caleb Williams, knowing him as a person as well as a player and talking with him many times already. That kid is special, and, and, and I'd certainly – bet my future on Caleb Williams as best I could. So I think we'll see a team, if not taking first overall, trade up a lot to get a first overall thing in the quarterback. Eric, um, best overall draft is, is very subjective, but the state of Pennsylvania, to me, in my opinion, the Eagles and Steelers looked like they drafted guys who within a year will all be starters. Yeah, I mean, the Philadelphia Bulldogs at this point, right? All the Georgia <laughs> guys, they took credit for DeAndre Swift. And, you know, it's, there's two areas where it's it's really easy to be a good drafter. It's one, if you don't need a quarterback and you're picking high, right? The Arizona Cardinals had a great draft, third overall pick. They could trade down and get a King's ransom, get some future picks and look great. Um, the, the Packers have their quarterback and trading a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and getting a lot of value. It's really easy, easier when you're in a spot that's a, a high value and don't need a quarterback. But secondly, it's when you're the Eagles team that's already has a loaded roster, you can kind of pick just off value. And to be honest, they didn't really need Jalen. They don't have a glaring need. They have Jordan Davis. They've got some older guys. They could have, you know, fixed that spot how they wanted to, but they got a guy like him to fill in. They didn't really need Nolan Smith there. Other edge rushers like him, but they said, ah, you know what, he's there. We'll take him. And I think when you can draft for pure strategy and, and pure value, it's hard to lose. A lot of teams didn't need an undersized edge rusher. Neither did the Eagles, but they had no other needs. They could fill that. So I think the Eagles especially look like a team like, hey, they, they're playing with house money, and everyone wants to play there as a free agent. And drafting the way they did and getting some freak athletes. Again, if, if Jalen Carter's your defensive tackle three because he hasn't really panned out, 
they're still okay. They'll still be a Super Bowl contender. And that's going to be just fine for them. Eric, if you don't mind, like an inside the war, have you ever like experienced? I know the war room is like trying to get into a vault, but have you ever had kind of an idea of the atmosphere? A team's sure. about to draft, yeah. and they're like next in line, and the team in front of them takes who they want. How quickly do they re- react to that? I know you have to still have a list of one through ten. You got to be ready for any thing that happens but how much is there any kind of semi-chaos or panic when that happens no I, I think a lot of teams do these 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 mock drafts a lot they, a lot of teams do mock drafts something i talk to teams all about is, is mock drafting and hey let's go through scenarios let's share notes hey who do we think these teams might take that's something i do a lot with teams and that's kind of how I, you know when i do mock drafts i do much more for teams than i do in the media because it's that's how you ought to operate these things. So, mm-hmm. you know, certainly there's some remorse, and you'll never hear from a team, yeah, we want that guy, we just missed him, we settle for this player. You'll never hear that. But it happens a lot. And I think when you see teams trade up to a spot, nine times out of ten, they were right on that to go to that spot. I know the Cowboys said they didn't want a tight end, and they kind of played that, and, and maybe they did. But I think nine times out of ten, you can assume that when a team trades up above one team and they take a certain player, nine out of ten times that other team is saying, F, we, we messed up here. We got to get somebody else to. But, but teams are prepared, and, and, and teams are able to pivot pretty well. And that's why you see a little bit less trades late day three, because at that point, you just got to keep going and move on to the next one. You're not as well. Eric, you have been in the business now for what is a pretty good time. We've known you for quite some time. What is right now your level of confidence where you are, what you've learned, and also what teams do as far as leaning on you for some advice or at least some insight or, or what you might have in your head? Yeah, it's been fun in this job at the Shrine Bowl the last two years in that I kind of have unique information for teams, especially on our Shrine Bowl players. But I think also on who these players are not the Shrine Bowl. The guys, you know, how they're handling the transfer portal, who their agent selection process has been, how they handle certain things professionally. And teams don't kind of get that until these guys go to the combine or pro day or have them in their building. And I'm getting that now. I'm talking to these players, families, if they reach out, certainly colleges. And being able to kind of get ahead of this and really help teams in that way uh, has been fun, but also great. You know, I, I joke all the time, you know, agents will sign three, four, five, six, seven players. I got 130 clients. I'm rooting for these guys. I'm sweating bullets. I'm helping them pick a team after the draft. I'm talking with them in training camp and catching up and, that's been a great part about this job is building relationships with guys. But, but certainly in the team sense, you know, helping teams kind of have more information is, is a cool part that I'm, I'm thankful to play a role in. Appreciate your time, Eric. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Eric Galco, Optimum Scouting, uh, handles the All-Star game and, you know, does a hell of a job. And we appreciate him coming on to summarize maybe some of his storylines as well. Um, when we come back in a few minutes, we'll announce the 2022-23 Academic All-Stars team. There was the one story that occurred over the weekend that I want to update, and Katie Rader sent something on the text line. Um, the A&M or the Texarkana College baseball player struck by a stray bullet during a game uh, was in emergency surgery, stable condition now. Matthew Delaney from Princeton, Texas, standing near the bullpen, at a field in Texarkana when he was hit in the chest by a stray bullet. Uh, earlier, I believe, DeMarco Banks, who's one of the suspects, turned himself in to police. Police are still searching for Kamari Butler, who is believed to be another gunman. Uh, he is wanted on arrest for aggravated assault. Thank God Delaney's okay, but obviously 
a horrible situation and uh, that he is able to get out of surgery and trying to recover from an awful, awful story. This is 365 Sports. IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace with an Ideal MRI technology, the MRI machine that's just state-of-the-art. It's what you want. It's what you need. It's what your doctor will want you to be inside of, and I have been on a handful of occasions. Whether it's your shoulder, whether it's your knee, whether it's your abdomen, if it's your back, whatever part of your body that needs evidence, needs that MRI look, the images that an MRI, an elite MRI machine can give you and your doctor, they have that for you. Ideal MRI also has an incredible price, $497 or less every single time. Not $497 than $1,500, $497 or less every single time. They will help you filing and making sure you do at least get a chance to have your insurance look at helping you even with a lesser part of cost. And in fact, mine one time, 497, 497 was 400. IdealMRI.com will help you find out what hurts, what aches, what is severe pain. And when your doctor asks about an MRI, make sure you mention Ideal MRI. They'll know about them in the Central Texas marketplace, IdealMRI.com. It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental, Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who as children had bad experiences, and now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old, and they come every six months, and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma, and they have to come here they're used to lights, they're used to water in their mouth, they're used to experience, they already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight year old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. 
With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. We have an annual team, and we have it. Uh, this is our third year with Sikkim 365 Radio, 365 Sports. But every year, we send out nominations to counselors at about 80 to 88 high schools in Central Texas. Each school is allowed to nominate one boy and one girl, uh, elite student-athletes. They don't have to be valedictorians or salutatorians, but they, they can be ranked 21st out of 400. Uh, but this is the high level, like the uh, Mr. and Mrs. or whoever it would be of a high school. It's hard. Uh, there were, eighty, I think, 88 nominations this year. Not every school participates. Every school gets an email or at least a packet. And uh, we picked our team over the weekend. And the, the team, the overall title sponsor is Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, thanks to Carl Ellison and, and also uh, uh, Mike Garrick. Westdale Asset Management with Joe Beard, Southwest Sports Medicine, Matt Rohrer, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, Ted Teague, Ray Broker Air Conditioning and Heating with Ronnie uh, Kroll, Alliance Bank, Ricky Thompson, U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company with Captain Kizzy. Uh, McLean Group with Drayton McLean, the name on the football stadium at Baylor. IdealMRI.com with Dr. Rob Maxey. And also the Waco Foundation with numerous people. Natalie Kalinske is the one who handles a lot of PR for what they do. Ashley Allison, among some others. Um, and then the Baylor Club that gives us a tremendous deal for us to host the banquet. Uh, this year we're moving into the presidential suite, which is on the upper near right corner of the stadium near the Brazos River. Looking forward to that. Also, Bubba's 33 will donate to each student-athlete a gift card of $100 to their great restaurant in Waco. Hal Whitaker, Lou Englander, Louis Englander, private donations, award specialties, Wolf Wholesale Forest, Healer Printing and Office Supply, who help with a lot of what we do, and 
the newspaper, the Waco Trib, EJ, who handles our ad that we put in the Sunday before the banquet, which this year is May 17th at uh, a Wednesday night. Bill Peterson, Baylor assistant men's basketball coach, assistant to the head coach, Scott Drew. He will be delivering our guest speaking uh, uh, segment, and he's done motivational speeches. He's coached in the NBA. It will be fun to hear from him, too. Um, here are the winners, and this is an alphabetical order. Each one of these student athletes, you must have a 90 or better, actually a 90, I think, three or better grade point average, must be a senior, must be involved in athletics, and, it, and, and some are involved in five or six. Preston Bats from Wortham, Karis Dietrich from Axtell, that the asterisk next to a name, if there's a single asterisk, that means they're the valedictorian of their school. The dual asterisk means they're the salutatorian, as Anthony DiMaselli from Teague uh, is. Talia Gibbs from Colleen High School. Julia Kazda from West High School. Mason Kirk from China Spring. Cade Lightsey from Itasca. Canyon Massengill, Whitney. Ellie Mesher from Salado, also a part of the team. Uh, that's McKenna Post. That H is not supposed to be there. McKenna Post from Crawford. Sierra Potter from Iredell. Ivory Scott from Waco High. Grace Stalker going to the United States Air, uh, uh, Naval Academy from Abbott High School is on the list as well. And then there should be some others. There's Julia Costa. Nathan Westbrook. Guess where he's going to school? Where's that? Harvard from Troy High School. Kelsey Wettergrove from Clifton. Grady Wilson from Riesel is also a part of the team. I hope we got all 20. Oh, the, uh, Jenna Morris from Hubbard. Stefan Nickerson, his brother Jeffrey, about two years, no, three or four years ago, was on the team from La Vega. Xavier Payne from Ellison and Colleen and Reeve Tarver, Tarter from Midway, who just finished second in the 1600 meters at the regional meet, will be going to the state track meet. Great stuff, Garrett. Thank you for doing all that. So there are six valedictorians and two salutatorians, some of the schools represented in college. Harvard, Stanford, Rice, Texas, Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and they usually have the largest chunk, and then also North Texas. I have Charlton State's a part of this, and there are a couple of other schools that are also on the list. You know, this was the most... A couple years ago, we had, I remember going through it, and you'd be like, so-and-so, so-and-so high school, Texas A&M University. It was like 10, of, like them. 10 yeah. of them all right, and half the, yeah. half the class was going to A&M. Um, and, and why not? It's a good school. But uh, this year was maybe, I remember going through, like this is maybe the most diverse set of schools we've had in a long time. Yeah, no, it is, because there, there have been years. And A&M, you know, a lot of schools, top 10% you're, you're, uh, you're in. Uh, because Baylor's been years we've had none. There have been years we've had nobody from Texas, or we've had a TCU but it, this is um, this is a two going to Texas Tech is great. But to have also, let's be honest, Harvard, Stanford, and Rice, with all due respect to everybody else, kind of gives you an idea of how elite this team can be academically. And you don't have to be a star quarterback or the star point guard or the greatest pitcher on a softball or baseball team. You have to be involved. Some are involved in six or seven sports, the smaller schools who you can, and some are really, really good, like in track field, track and field and cross country. Some win state championships, some do individually, some do as a team, but this is the team we'll honor them Wednesday night. Look forward to Bill Peterson being there. 
Uh, Matt Rohr from Southwest Sports Medicine, when we mentioned we're going to move it from the Baylor Club, which has been where it is, uh, um, overlooks I-35 and really over, overlooks the new arena that's being built across the, the Brazos River. He said, David, the presidential suite view at that time at 7 o'clock at night is going to be spectacular. So that's where we'll be. Uh, each student athlete will get a check for $1,250, a plaque. Uh, we hand the girls or their mothers or grandmothers or whoever a long stem row, rose from Wolf uh, uh, Nursery, Wholesale Nursery, and, and then the, there's going to be a full-page ad on May 14th in the Waco Trib that will be a full-page color ad highlighting each of the student-athletes and also their school. You'll see them along with everything else about the program. So thanks to everybody who has been a sponsor for many years, some Alliance Bank and U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company are new sponsors for the program this year. Uh, Andrea, uh, Andrea Cameron, the All-Stars list is incredible. Great, great way to recognize athletes who are champions in the classroom. Very impressive. Kim Coulter, a super chat. You guys are the epitome of class. Thank you. Uh, we love doing what we're doing uh, with these young men and also women. Can't wait to meet all of them coming up on uh, May the 17th at McLean Stadium. This is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street in Waco, a hidden gem. Look, if you are looking for the best in craft beers, the best in locally sourced Texas bourbons, that's where you, you need to, to, to park your car outside or go in the drive-thru window. But you got to go in and look around and see what they have. Great selection of all that. Great selection of everything that they have at Riverman Liquor and Wine. Look, if you are hanging out and, uh, you know, can't make the trip, say you're at the barbecue, um, and, you know, nobody wants to make that, that beer run, well, guess what? You can DoorDash them up, and they'll come right to your house uh, and bring it to you. So they're available on DoorDash as well. Unbelievable customer service, the speedy drive through window, everything that I've talked about for years since they've been on and sponsoring this program, they are top-notch all the way around. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, behind the bank. We've received nominations from Central Texas High School counselors for the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team. The selection process underway to find the elite student-athletes. Hi, this is David Smoke. Nominations include student-athletes who thrive and succeed in both academic and athletic competition. We'll select a 20-member team this month and announce the Academic All-Stars team on Monday, May 1st. The 2022-23 Academic All-Star team is brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, Westdale Asset Management, Southwest Sports Medicine, Allen Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram, HEB, Ray Broker AC, Alliance Bank, The McLean Group, Universal Windows Direct, Hal Whitaker and Louis Englander Scholarship Fund, the U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Center, IdealMRI.com, Bubba's 33, The Baylor Club, and our 501c3, The Waco Foundation. We'll honor the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team at our annual banquet Wednesday, May 17th at the Baylor Club inside McLean Stadium. We're proud to recognize the elite student-athletes in Greater Central Texas and be involved with this program. It's the 13th annual Academic All-Stars team right here on 365 Sports. 
It's Ram Truck Month at Allen Samuels in Waco, and the deals couldn't be any hotter. Get a new 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab with values up to $4,250 plus 4.9% for 72 months. Or get a new 2022 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab with 1.9% for 72 months or 10% off MSRP. That's right. Come pick from the best selection of brand new inventory in Central Texas at Allen Samuels in Waco while supplies last. Hey, this is Bryce Petty, former starting quarterback and two-time Big 12 champion. And I know firsthand the importance of being in top shape both on and off the field. So listen up, men. If you're feeling beat down day in and day out and looking for that high-performance edge that separates the men from the boys, then look no further than the Petty Clinic Low T in Waco. Petty Clinic is a comprehensive men's health care clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Board-certified Dr. Kent Petty has a special interest in offering the highest quality medical care to men of all ages. Some of the services offered include screening and treatment for low testosterone or thyroid, infertility, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, while offering comprehensive wellness exams and complete men's health lab panels. High performance men, remember, it's not just a petty thing. This is Bryce Petty, encouraging you to reach out and Google search Petty Clinic Low T or go to PettyClinicLowT.com and get your complimentary lab screening today. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. In the market for a quality metal building? Since 1943, Pioneer Steel & Pipe has helped Central Texas residential and commercial customers with metal building design, panel options, building components, and trim options. Pioneer Steel & Pipe's residential line is energy efficient, offers low maintenance, reduces insurance payments, is impact resistant, and carries up to a 45-year limited warranty. In addition, they can also help you find a metal building contractor for your project. Pioneer Steel & Pipe with locations in Waco and Bryan and at PioneersBoys.com. This is 365 Sports. Want more updates during the day? Follow 365 Sports YT on Twitter. We always, every single day, thank you for your time that you give us here on 365 Sports. Today, Emery Winter in the background doing what he does, and he will eventually put together all of what we need when it comes to what's up on our YouTube channel uh, our Twitter feed, and also he, he is the guy who puts together sports tonight for us every night, 10:30 weeknights on the CW here locally in Central Texas. Garrett Ross running the mothership 
here on 365 Sports as he does 99% of the time. The other percent, Jack McKenzie, wants to like leave the show and walk into the street with running with cars moving in his direction. Is that what's happened? Because I haven't yeah, seen that in a while. He's he's in a, well, he is, he's in a place where he better not do that because he's in New York. Well, yeah, he, so, yeah, he's in New York well, City. I so. mean, especially well, out here, it's crazy the way that you hear the... But, yeah, but look, I've told that if you make it there, you're going to make it anywhere. That's what they say. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. Did somebody sing that? Yeah, Frank Sinatra yeah, did. That's what I thought. He wasn't wrong about much. So, so. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of really interesting notes, opinions, questions, comments about college football uh, conferences and how they work, the Notre Dame $75 million value and, and if they are or not in just a second but here's a list of the teams in the big 12 who had players drafted from rounds one through seven this does not include anybody signed once the draft ended saturday night tcu not a surprise whatsoever that they led the way they had a hell of a team heck of a bunch of playmakers most they of them are eight. on the chargers yeah and most of them <laughs> three yeah travis Avila, and who's the other one? No, it's the Rams. That's the Rams. Uh, That's right. The Chargers took uh, Quentin Johnston. They took Darius Davis, and they took Max Duggan. And then Avila and uh, Travius are both on the Rams. Well, it's because LT's in in their war room. He goes, no, we're not. We're taking him. Right? (laughs) So So. TCU, that's not a surprise with eight players drafted. Um, I think it's still a surprise. I mean, that's a lot of guys for TCU. To have drafted. Um, that's not, I think, something they're going to replicate all that often. Um, you know, Sonny Dykes is a good coach. I think he's a great fit for TCU. I remember when his name got brought up for Baylor. Uh, I remember not being in favor at the time because I just didn't. Look, he was Cal Sonny Dykes. Um, he wasn't even SMU Sonny Dykes at that point. He was Cal Sonny Dykes, which we know that that was just not a good look for really anybody involved. And Quite frankly, at the time, they needed more than just a football coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how well equipped he was to roll in and handle all that needed to be handled the way that Matt Rule handled it. I, I don't know that just everybody else could have rolled in and done the exact same thing. Um, you know, I'm sure others could have done similar or just as well. Um, I don't think he was like the only man alive that could have kept the ship floating. Uh, but I don't know that just anybody comes in and just, you know, for sure does. And so I had some questions about Sonny Dykes back then, but he's a hell of a coach. He belongs back in Texas. He's as as good of a spot as he could possibly imagine with TCU. And, you know, that's another thing is, like, he couldn't have had Kaz Kazadi at Baylor with him mm-hmm. like he does at TCU. Like, there's nah. couldn't have Kendall Browse as a new nah. OC. It, you know, so there were some, some things he's able to do in Fort Worth he couldn't have done uh, in Waco had, had history been different all the way back then. But it would have been – if we could somehow, like, reverse that and see, like, six, seven years later, like, what would Sonny Dykes have done in Waco? That would have been interesting. But besides, uh, he's he's done a great job in the one year at TCU, but he inherited a hell of a roster. Mm-hmm. Gary Patterson deserves some credit because uh, those eight guys were primarily, uh, if what, not all of them recruited by him. I'm trying to think if there was, like, any transfer uh, in that group or not. I don't know off the top of my head. But, uh, yeah, I mean, GP did a great job. They obviously developed their guys, and it all – bubbled up into the greatest year, I mean, outside of one result at the very end of the year and, well, the Big 12 championship game too. But really, you'd rather have had that last one. So, yeah, I I don't think that that's just a, hey, good and move on. That's one that you're – this is going to stick out for them for a very long time. Take advantage of the uh, momentum. And and I think they're going to be good, but they had some players. That's obvious. They lose eight. You see Alabama lose a lot. You see Clemson lose a lot. You see uh, Georgia, of course – become the Philadelphia Eagles South. And so there we go. Texas, 
man, what a relief for the Horns after they've had years where there was nobody and then a first-round pick since 2006 with Vince Young and B. John Robinson, who went number eight. Uh, We mentioned Overshone. uh, The defensive linemen went. They had some players drafted. Oklahoma, despite that bad year for them, I mean, it was a terrible year for them under their standard, had five players still drafted in the uh, draft on Friday, Thursday through Saturday. They had a bad year, but they had a stud wide receiver in Marvin Mims. They had... Anton Harrison, who's as good of a, a right tackle as there was uh, in this draft. Wanye Morris is a good player. So right there, there's three. Right. And I'm not even getting into, you know, the the, the other two, but those three right there off the top, um, there that wasn't their problem. Was Oklahoma's problem wasn't the top level of their guys, more or less. They still had, you know, good probably 1-11 on, on, on offense, defense, you know, still need to work on it. But it was the – the depth that used to come at you in waves that they did not have this year and they couldn't withstand their but injuries. But even, even those who replaced the ones but, who left, they, you, they, they lost Caleb Williams and had Dylan. Yeah, Gingrich. you can't, like, yeah, yeah it's not, there, there's, it's not almost a fair comparison. Texas, though, to get five uh, p- draft picks is really huge because for the better part of a decade, they've been turning five and four-star recruits into NFL journeymen uh, or CFL players or whatever. And that's not how you get... Staying power. Looked at like the the goal of Matt Rule at Baylor and, and, and Nebraska was to get guys and put them in the NFL. So that way, when you walk in, and I guess as well, I'm really, especially when you have a school, whoever the next Texas is going to be, because if this starts a run for them of putting guys back in the NFL, I'll just leave them out of this argument. But whoever the next team is that might have that big popular name, said, so, "Well, I'm not going to go to Nebraska, or I'm not going to go to Baylor, or I'm not going to go here because." I want to go to the NFL, and this team is that. And, you're like, and for well, about a decade, statistically, that's not what happened. And, yeah. and you could say, well, here's what we do. You can see us you know, every year, the commissioner saying our guys' names uh, in the draft. So, uh, But Texas doing that is after a long time of not. Yeah, I mean, they've had a couple years they've got nobody drafted, which yeah. is fine if that's at, you know, Baylor on occasion or it's like, you know, Oklahoma State once every seven years or something or, you know, whatever. Everybody has that happen where you just – it doesn't work the way, you know, to where you have two, three guys available every single year. But Texas should, in theory. They should. Those weren't all just like, oh, well, it got log jammed and, you know, there's just nobody eligible. It's like, no, they were eligible guys. They just, you know, didn't reach the level of success that they – should have for whatever reason their own doing uh lack of development i mean who you know whatever uh there's a variety of different reasons why but um yeah i mean maybe they're they're starting to get the ball rolling there i mean that has been an inadequacy um in comparison to the teams they want to be typically compared to on a regular basis and so to have five guys and to have in particular you know a guy like Bijan high up like that i think it's a really big deal um but you know i also think he's very unique so i'm curious to see if Cedric Baxter or the others that now follow uh, can follow it up. And not only that, but Roshan goes like mid-round to Chicago, like what, fourth for him, I third, think? Third round. Third round, yeah. so. I was excited for that. That was that was a nice place for him to go. So that's just not an easily replaceable tandem right there. Um, I, I don't know. I think he was a fourth rounder. But um, that's not an easily replaceable tandem for them. Uh, but, you know, Cedric Baxter and uh, was it Jonathan Brooks, uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a fun group to follow along with this year. But, Sorry yeah. about that. You're right, the fourth round. Yeah, so I think that uh, it was a good year for them. Uh, and, and, you know, the best they've had in 
Uh, what seems like a while, though, I, I don't know their their numbers. Like, is that the most they've had in a quite some time? I don't even know off the top of my head. But it felt bigger because Bijan went so high, and, and that's good. That's I mean, basically, that's going to give them some momentum. You hope that's the start of some things for Sark, and then you're starting to hear about Quinn Ewers in the next couple years and some of these receivers and, you know, more of these defensive linemen and these offensive linemen. Like, Kelvin Banks will be a big-time draft pick probably in a couple of years. So they're – they're building something there, and this may very well be the class that kind of starts to set that off a little bit. They had five in 2021. Cosme, so Osai, Taquan, Taquan Graham from Temple, Stearns, and Ellinger. Uh, they had, mm, let's see, three in 2020. Brandon Jones, Devin Duvernay, a former Baylor commit, and Colin Johnson. But there were years, yeah, 14 had nobody. That was right after Mac Brown had left in the Charlie Strong era. Um but they've always had three, five, 2007. Back in the days of the 2000s, they had big, big numbers. But in, in the decade of the last 10 years, 2011-4, 2012-3, highest pick was a fourth rounder. 2013-3, Kenny Vaccaro, first round pick. 2015-3, uh, 4-5, Malcolm Brown, defensive tackle, first round pick. One pick in 16, one in 17, and then you had five, you had three. So they've had picks, but this this was a nice one. One, three, four, six, and seven rounds. Well, it was their first first-round pick. I was going to say, yeah, yeah it's so. like, that's the big thing is they had a first-rounder. That's, that's the biggest thing. yeah, yeah. No, in general, they had a first-rounder. It's the first time in a while that they've had a first-rounder, It's been period. seven, eight years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was why it felt like a bigger deal, and that's hopefully what they can – build off of is is putting more first round type players in the in the league on a regular basis. All right, so then there's Kansas State, Iowa State, four Iowa State, McDonald got drafted pretty quickly, good for him. Uh, Oklahoma State, Xavier Hutchinson went very late on Saturday. Oklahoma State with two and then Tech, Baylor and West Virginia each with one. So everybody had at least one, but those are the ones with the one. Um and then Tex was a top 10 pick. It was Tyrell Wilson who went very quickly. And now the ones who were incoming schools, Houston had four. Brigham Young and Cincinnati each had three. UCF did not have anybody picked. And I know, oh, my God. Well, they, they're somewhat young. We, of course, had the Mark Daniels, cut, uh, the voice of UCF, a lot of youth there. That changes. And that will change even more now that where they are because even the – they're going to find you if you're talented no matter what classification you're in. But there you go with that list. But UCF, zero. That, 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 I don't know the story behind that, but I'm sure they'll have a lot of guys back from last year. Watch Houston. Uh, Tank Dell just gets to move to a nicer place uh, now in the same city um, going to, to the Texans. I, I think that's going to work out great. I think the Texans had a great draft um, uh, all, all the way around, but – um, adding him, they had two. Look, Tank Dell, wide receiver wise, Tank Dell, and then they didn't. I think it was in the fifth or late fifth round. They got Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State, who that guy's got the build and skill set to turn into a nice little. Um, I kind of like think of him as a Michael Gallup type of where you know if he's open, he's going to get it. He's very reliable. Had a know. lot of drops, and not just because I, I saw a couple of games when he had a big drop against Texas, and maybe two. And then the next week he had one, too. Very talented player, wiry, and uh, and hopefully everything works out for him. Yeah, I need to go back to Will McDonald. That wasn't just him going kind of early. That was the first first-round pick for Iowa State since 1973 kind of early. So that was a, a big deal for that program to see Will McDonald go uh, when he went. Um, and I'm sure there was uh, some celebration as a result of that. But, yeah, that was that was notable. I mean, I think – 
You know, the, the Big 12 having the number of first-round picks that they had, the first time they've had that many first-round picks in eons. I mean, it hadn't been since Nebraska, Colorado, and Missouri, and um, A&M were in the conference since they had, what, six first-round picks. I mean, that's, that's uh, pretty impressive. And, you know, then the other side of it is, you look at, uh, okay, well, Oklahoma and Texas each had five apiece. That's very healthy and very good. Um, but you look at the other four teams, and despite UCF hanging a big fat zero, the other three had ten guys total. So you wonder, like, okay, well, what did they lose? What would it be versus this? It would be the exact same number versus the new schools or the old schools. Texas and Oklahoma put ten together. Three of the other four put ten together. So – there would have been zero drop-off in theory, but I know not every year is going to go exactly this way, but at least gives you some hope that, yes, it's four versus two, but we're also going to celebrate 14-team conferences hanging over your head how many they had drafted versus 10-team conferences in comparison. So as long as we're going to do that, then, yeah, it, it takes a couple more teams to accomplish the job, but it's still the, the same output, and that's really what you're looking for for the Big 12 is to hang where you were and on occasion jump up above that the last thing you want to do is start drowning, uh, which is the fear when you're losing two big brands like that. But as far as this year's draft goes, in the new construction, there wouldn't have been any drop-off. Years from now, maybe that's a different story, but that's why you hope BYU and UCF and Cincinnati and those schools can you're continue sure. producing and why you hope that the Baylors on occasion can have their six guys a year and then they'll probably fall back to one like they did this year. But then TCU jumps up to eight or – West Virginia has five or six guys one year, and Tech builds up and starts having five or six guys, and you can build off that. But this is the first draft in a long time where you could actually talk positively about the conference because they've gone two years in a row with no first-rounders, just like we were talking about with Texas. Texas had guys drafted, but no first-rounders. And when you're bringing in that type of talent like they are, that's just not going to cut it. Uh, So same thing with the Big 12. You know, you want to – talk about where you are in the landscape of things you got to put dudes in the pros and they hadn't been doing that at a regular clip especially in the first round with zero the last two years I mean zero and so to have a handful of guys I think that was a really big deal and and just hope that again it's something they can build off of and next year there should probably be some records broken because you're going to have the most teams you've ever had in the conference so adding four schools to Texas and Oklahoma for one more year I would think that they could break some records i don't know about was it five or they have five or six first rounders it's six first rounders i believe the big 12 six yeah six. so i don't know if they'll have six again but who knows maybe maybe they will all right yeah. look it, it, look if texas gets their way if everything goes texas's way yeah they could have a two or three they're gonna have you know the i don't know if it perfectly their way because it mean he'd be gone but if quinn ewers goes in the first round that probably means Texas kicked a lot of ass last next year. I mean that that probably is what that means. Because well, that's the case if any quarterback goes in the first round. No, but I mean, like you know, for for them in particular. No. So Xavier Worthy's probably got. I mean, he's got first round speed. You know that. Um, so that's a guy who could probably wind up in the first round. Um, you know, so there's two right off the top of my head right there. Without even getting into some of the guys they've got coming back on defense. So. Well, um, Texas fans are relieved that they finally have that story to tell because it's been a frustration, along with the record, uh, has been the frustration about not cultivating enough. That doesn't mean they haven't had players drafted, but elite high-level rounds. All right, on the chat room, College Football Plus asked this earlier. This has been a while ago. Is it just me, or has it been eerily quiet when it comes to realignment? There was the CU Board of Regents meeting a few weeks ago and the Colorado president comments, but other than that, 
It, it has it just been quiet. So, uh, Kyle Visser, welcome, Kyle, to the uh, chat room. I don't know. I could uh, have missed something, but I haven't seen you on here often. But uh, he was replying. He goes, the meetings have already taken place laying out the options. As soon as the final deal is presented, there will be a Zoom meeting. The emergency public meeting is there for a vote. Yes, a vote called for transparency if schools are switching. No meetings if they are staying put. He's talking about conferences. He's, uh, the Pac-12 also talking about the schools it, it themselves. Kyle, if no meeting is on the docket, they may call a special meeting. Emergency was probably a poor choice when Colorado used that a little bit earlier. When schools in the past changed conferences, most of a public meeting uh, was for transparency only. But the decision had already been made, just like the school board meetings in high school. So there you go with that. Um, as far as the Big 12s having their meetings, this is their normal meetings. This is one that's been on the calendar forever. There has been a couple of reports. Jason Shear, Brian Etheridge with us that Colorado could be in Dallas on May the 6th following this week. That's out there. That's been reported. So who knows what that might mean? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the chatter's continued. Uh, but certainly up front, I mean, the Pac-12 had their whole PR rebound, what, about a month ago now at this point, where they came out swinging, no, acting like, oh, really? We're going to start talking now. And started promising the TV deal was going to be here soon. And, again, when was that, like a month ago? So maybe that's, um, you know, here in the next few weeks or something that finally gets done. But here we are at the start of another week, and uh, no word on that. And really, until there's word on that, again, that's that's the thing. Like, that's that's the thing more than anything else is, you know, nobody, no school in the Pac-12 is going to do anything until they know what that TV deal is. It's really just that simple. Um, and, uh, you know, beyond that, it's, it's anybody's guess at this point. I know now, like, suddenly there's become a lot of chatter about the ACC. That's, like, the new thing now because I feel like this story's starting to wind down. So now it's all about beating the drums on what is Florida State going to do and what's Miami going to do and Clemson and all these schools. I'm seeing that quickly become, like, the new thing because eventually the Pac-12 is going to sign a TV deal and there will be an answer to this entire conversation. Yeah. And so I guess people will need something to pivot to. But, you know, there's there's some reasons why you'd start looking that direction based on – what Florida State said in the past uh, and what Clemson has now said as well and uh, what others could be potentially thinking. But, yeah, I mean, um, there's there's not anything to act on, I think, as far as that story goes, the, the, the current one, uh, until a TV deal is present. And who knows when the heck that's going to be out there because we've been wondering for months at this point. And, uh, you know, they're – didn't we didn't we didn't put out any deadlines but there were deadlines put out by various members of the conference in, in so many ways and those have come and gone and you know I, i've seen the board meetings come and go and those some of those have been absolute nothing burgers they've been you know nothing more than just a board meeting that didn't really have anything to do with realignment so who, who the heck knows quite frankly uh, on the timing of this well, thing and look the the acc thing i feel like it, buckle in guys it's gonna be a while um e like even if it's even if they're successful in getting it partially taken off, I think most optimistic in that is just a little more than halfway through the contract of them to get that done because you're still talking about a ton of money and a ton of ratings that the conference would lose. And seeing what, like, why would the ACC not fight them every step of the way on the grant of rights if they wanted to get out? Seeing what's going on with the Pac-12 right now. 
because it's not, it wouldn't be about this one. It would be about the next one that you would get. So it, it, there's so many different things that people are going to say that. And look, if you're Florida State and Clemson and the other schools are talking about uneven revenue sharing in the ACC, knowing that you still have, you know, more than a decade left on your deal, part of that is you never know if you're going to get something unless you ask. Right. And yeah. um, that, that, so that, that is the number one uh, in sales or anything, you will not get a no, and you surely are not going to get a yes if you don't ask for a buy or a sponsorship or even, a, a, you know, the question. You're right. So unless unless you unless you ask, unless you put it out there in the world, you're never going to know. You're going to say, well, what, man, we should have done this, we should have done this. And, look, while uneven revenue sharing throughout the conference was, was the death knell ultimately of the, the original Big 12 – um, that doesn't mean that it has to be that way for the ACC. Now, it's probably not a good thing, but the way that schools operate now that are you know thinking about leaving at all is that if you're thinking about leaving, the overall health of your conference probably doesn't matter as much to you as long as you're made whole. And with the 12-team playoff coming up, if Clemson keeps getting in it and FSU gets in it and whoever else, like Louisville or UNC that could leave, you know, if they were in the same situation as USC and UCLA were with no time left on the deal, if they just keep getting the playoff, they're not going to worry about how things are going for Wake Forest and Boston College. It's not going to matter to them. No, no, I think I think the best way to put it is everybody's looking out for themselves yeah. and everybody's having the conversations they feel they need to have behind the scenes or somewhat the messages they need to deliver out in the front of the scenes as well. Of Like, you know, I think on the Pac-12 side of things, certain people saying about their expectations. You know, well, we expect to be in the conference and we expect that our deal will be closer, if not better, than the Big 12, and we expect a lot of things. So people are, you know, setting their expectations or putting their desires out there. Uh, some have better opportunities than others, but I, I think just as the whole thing goes, uh, we're still just waiting on a Pac-12 TV deal. Um, that's that's the big thing as far as that side of the country. And on the other side of the country, yeah, there's starting to be a little bustle behind the scenes about you know the future of Florida State and Clemson, but there's a lot of hoops to have to jump through and a lot of things that have to be taken care of this is not one of those like you're just going to wake up tomorrow and they're announcing like we are leaving the yeah. like like with texas and oklahoma or usc and ucla no matter how many you know uh, little crumbs they may have left uh, in, in those stories you know previous to that uh this is going to take a little bit more time there's nothing in, in that regard that seems like it's imminent in any way shape or form when we come back a couple of comments on notre dame we had that earlier today to start off the show dick weiss a college basketball writer been around a long time and even Jim Williams, of course, media consultant who was on with us Friday, uh, we're discussing that uh, uh, according to what Dick told me, a CBS Sports report that Notre Dame was looking for $75 million for their next TV deal with, Notre, with the NBC. And uh, his response to that with Jim Williams' response to that, and also we'll give you our responses to that, and then also even some of you in the chat room and your responses to at least that figure. You got something else? Yeah, I mean, I, I I lost the tweet now, but somebody pointed out that story was out there months ago. This wasn't like this isn't the first time we've heard that. I don't believe. I feel like that's a story we heard way back, and that's starting to probably come back around it, it's now. Simmering again. Yeah, but I, I I'm almost positive, and I I know somebody on Twitter said like, no, we talked about this months ago, um, and I'm starting to kind of rec- recall that. But uh, yeah, I do think this was out there at one point in time, and then maybe just got lost in the shuffle. So, um. 
Yeah, we can talk about it some We'll more, come back with that. This is six, uh, Sikkim 365 Radio and 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. A full-service butcher shop with pork, beef, seafood, and also, of course, uh, poultry. And then also a full-service bakery where they have cakes and uh, kolaches, sweets and treats, and what you want. Right now, the specials for their week coming up, including today, open until 6. They're still loaded up with those 30-pound sacks or bags of crawfish, live crawfish, and it's like in the low $3 range right now. And that's going to continue for at least another couple of months until crawfish season is over. Live crawfish, 30-pound sacks available, bags available. If you order with them by 6 o'clock on Wednesday, you can pick up your product, your crawfish, live crawfish, uh, anytime after 4 o'clock on Saturday or when they're open on uh, also 4 o'clock Friday and when they're open on Saturday. Right now, specials on New York Strip. Select choice in prime from $9.50 a pound to $16.50 a pound. Tri-tip, $4.75 a pound. Pork spare ribs and St. Louis-style ribs and baby back ribs from $1.99 up to $2.75 a pound, depending on which ones you want. Chicken thighs, $1.75 a pound. German sausage, $3.50 a pound. And a pound of ground chicken ground chicken for $1.99 a pound. Waco Custom Marketplace, the Bauer family. 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Richard Carr is loaded with GMC Sierra trucks. Make your best deal in years. Step up to premium grade GMC Sierra and save thousands at Richard Carr. Right now, qualified buyers get 2.9% financing and 3,000 savings on most new 2023 GMC Sierra SLE SLT 1500s in stock. Call now, get here now, or log on to richardcar.com and drive home your new GMC Sierra today. See dealer for details. Richard Carr, they have the truck for you. Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carol and Ashley... Don Schumanor in the Talwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick of sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. Pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> 
staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run, and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIP. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who will navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. We're going to get to some of the uh, comments when we discussed earlier today Notre Dame. As Craig mentioned, it was months ago, but uh, it came out with a couple of tweets earlier today from guys I respect as well discussing it. Didn't say that it was breaking news, but Justin Pugh, you remember him? Played at Notre Dame, right? I don't know. I don't. He's, a, he's an NFL player. I just happened to have this tweet show up. He's a real estate broker, and he's also an NFL player. This tweet, Syracuse, I'm sorry. This tweet just came up on my timeline for whatever reason. What an amazing NFL draft weekend. It's time for work. But for every rookie that makes a team, another guy is going to lose his job. This is the business. The team that just drafted you is already thinking about replacing you next year. Here are some tips. Find something you love outside of football. Pursue that in the offseason. Internship, continue education. Every Tuesday, that's a typical off day in the NFL, reach out to a sweet holder from the team you're playing for, get a list from the PR director, player engagement, shadow them for a day, ask them if you can, just meet up for coffee. Three, hire a CPA, ask veterans for recommendations. Your dues-paying member of a union now, come to the meetings at the NFLPA, and then reach out to the veterans and just ask for advice. Old players love to talk. Sit with them. Have lunch. That's really cool from Justin Pugh about the incoming rookies, whether you're a first pick, an undrafted free agent, or whatever round, or however you get into the NFL that you're on now, and now they're looking to replace you immediately as they start focusing in on 2023-24 uh, college football in the draft. Pretty cool. Yeah, look, it, the um, that's, that's why um, – you know, sometimes I get surprised when teams get kind of upset. Like Cowboys were really bad about it forever. It was of giving guys really long-term deals when 
Um, I think they could have done better giving them more money up front, you know, as opposed to, I know guys want long-term deals going to stay, but most of the time, if you said, okay, if we, instead of a six-year deal, if this is a four-year deal and we gave you $5 million more million today, would that make up for those last years? Most guys are going to go, oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to walk out of here with $5 more million than I would have, you know, and you spread this all down the line. Unfortunately, there's a salary cap. Yeah, but I mean, you, you know, yeah. but they can, they know, they'll know that going in. The Cowboys, we should be really bad about, or giving guys, you know, Miles Austin is the example of, I like, is like, oh, my God, he had two great games in a row. We can't let this guy hit free agency when they, you know, they make new wide receivers every day, and that's the harsh reality of, of professional sports. They're making new ones every year uh, in, the, in the NFL draft. Jay so. Ratliff earned his first New contract. The second one is the one that was a bad deal. Yeah, exactly. Right. So they, you know, those things that they that they did pretty poorly uh, over the time. But um, yeah, they're, you know, it's got to be harsh for the veterans. And you know that some guys are ready. Like you know, I talked into some guys we know that played in the league. You, you know, when when it was time for them, they knew. It's like you know, I'm sure they miss it, but they were ready. Um, and I remember like um, talking to Jordan Shipley one day through a mutual friend, and he was thrilled never to have to go to football practice again as a player. Uh, but, you know, was going to miss all the, the, the fun stuff about it, but the, that other stuff ready to go. And then other guys, you know, and that's what Justin Pugh is saying there, they don't know what they're going to do. Like what, you know, football's been their focus for so long. It's the thing that made them all their money. So when you're done, what do you do? Yeah, And that's a hard thing Military to Military veterans yeah. have that same issue, uh, really because they've been so structured and so regimented for so long that when they're out, then they're like, okay, now what? And sometimes it's tough to do. I know my father dealt with that. It was hard for him uh, when he got out of the military after 30-something years. Um, what does NFL stand for? Not, not for long. Yeah, yep. exactly. There you go. Here's a, qu- a comment from Roman Maroney. Thank you, Roman. Uh, USC and UCLA are worth $100 million as part of the Big Ten. And, again, that's a number that includes a lot and down of, 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 of what do you call it, uh, what is projected. If they were independent, they might get half of that maybe in reference to what Notre Dame's value might be for a network like NBC if it's 75 or 52 or 49 or 64. I don't know. I don't think so. Not even USC would be $50 million if they had their own TV deal. Notre Dame hasn't won a national title. You can say all that. They still bring in, among on average, some of the biggest ratings. And someone in the chat room said, the only reason some people watch them is because they want to see them lose. Why do you think the Cowboys' ratings are so high? Because as many fans as they have, and there are hundreds of millions of apparently there are also so many that want to watch Dallas so they, if they lose, they can enjoy their day, almost like that's become their favorite team as Cowboys losing. Why did Muhammad Ali have so, such popularity? Because yeah, there were not only a ton of people his rooting fans, for him, but, but how many wanted to see him. someone knock him on his ass? Yeah, but I wonder how much of that's out there because many, how many people still think that way about Notre Dame? Like, I think I'm starting to, like – that, I, part don't, of the that, I, I don't, don't care that's, about Notre Dame like that. that I, that's a good point, Craig. That's I a really good yeah, point because when does that wear off? When do you stop, 
You know, I think I think right when now. When does it wear off? When you're not very good. No, but for or elite for the national time. populace, where yeah. you say, "Well, it's always been this way." When does it the wear off? The numbers show it. They're still very popular. Yeah, it is, and and like There's that a lot of Catholics in this country, they exactly. got to tie in. I yeah, mean, look, well, that's a value, though. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right, I agree. But as far as people watching Notre Dame to watch them lose, I think I, that's very minimal now. I, I've lived in six states in my life. I've gone to like twenty different churches regularly uh, when I was growing up, and all that. I never once had a priest that liked football. Now, I had some from other countries. You know, when I was in Florida, we had a couple from Poland and from Haiti. They were not American football fans. But our pastor, Father Anglum, would make his schedule around Notre Dame football. Uh, I know um, right here, uh, the late, wonderful man, Monsignor uh, Mark Deering, who who died a, a few years ago, was great, uh, did a lot of wonderful things for a lot of people uh, here in Waco, was such a huge Notre Dame fan that when Tim Brown got inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, um, people pay for him to be the guy who walked up Tim at the thing. So most of your, you know, so you're going to get that propaganda through your parish, most places in America. Yeah, I think they've got a built-in fan base that is large yeah. and will always be large, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much of the like the casual viewers going like, I got to watch Notre Dame get beaten mm-hmm. down. Like I think that ended like years ago, honestly. I mean, I... I, I'm in the Rudy uh, time period, right? Where the movie was a big deal, but like I, I just don't. I mean, I I know Notre Dame and the brand and the size and the respect and all that, but like I just I don't view them though as the Dallas Cowboys. I I think the Bama's that uh, yeah. if anybody is that. Uh, it's and not you know Notre who will Dame. be Georgia eventually? They keep winning at that rate, they will right. become that too. But well, but it doesn't matter because they still have four million people who will willingly you know show up every weekend to watch them, and that's why they've got the brand power that they do. But yeah, you throw out a high number, seventy five, you'll probably get sixty. Um, you're making like twenty five or whatever it is right now. So just based on time having passed, demand all those things, like yeah, they'll probably end up fifty to sixty to whoever. However much higher they can get than that, 75 seems like it's a bit unrealistic because that's tripling what you're already making. Mm-hmm. And that's just – that's a lot. I mean, doubling's one thing, tripling's another. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're they're a big brand and all that. But I, I just – I think that whole mystique factor, I don't I don't consider that when talking no, about Notre either. Dame anymore. I think, you know who has that watch him to watch him lose? Andrea Kramer, uh, Cameron. I think that can now be said for the University of Texas. They're one of those teams that's polarizing. There's a handful of those teams polarizing that some will watch them who are fans who are wanting them to, of course, do well. And there are some who watch Texas, but they're they're like if they went into the wilderness for another three to five years, which it doesn't appear they will, but if they did, they would find themselves almost in the same situation yeah. as Notre Dame. But also I will say this for Notre Dame and the value that they, they do bring almost also doesn't have anything to do with them. 50% of the games they play have another team. Well, I mean, all 100%, but 50% of the teams in the game are not Notre Dame, right? right. So they're playing a game against another team. Notre Dame usually has a really good schedule. Uh, there are some years, and look, I will tell you, looking at this year's schedule, there are several games on this schedule normally in a in a classic Notre Dame year that fans would be like, man, that's just kind of boring game. Yeah. You know, they play Tennessee State. Like, that's there. But they play Navy in Dublin. They play at NC State, which could or that's kind of one of those middle that of the pack games. Yeah. But they do have three ga- well, four games, counting the Navy game, because that's the week zero, that first week. So the Navy game, they play Ohio State, they play USC, and they play Clemson. So they have four games this year that are going to be in the running for the number one game of that weekend. 
So right, that's how many value, teams but... in college football will have at least those three at who they are now on their schedule? Maybe three or four others. Yeah. So they're they're in a unique group where those games that they're going to play, and, and one of them, um, you know, especially with Caleb Williams, is USC. So that Notre Dame, on October fourteenth, that game in South Bend for NBC is going to be an absolute winner. Yeah, and it's always been a pretty big game, and, and it'll ready, make even, up for the Tennessee State game that they have. Then to air. again, USC <laughs> and Notre Dame have both been kind of flailing a little bit, but they both yeah, should but be pretty good right now in college football. Yeah. Really, it really does, and it matters for the brands that aren't like tried and true. But all that I mean, college football is everything they do is Rivalries. built around the same twenty teams. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. And to their benefit, and to their wants, and and um, and now it's you know whittling down to where those teams are basically all within two conferences, and there's the standalones like a Notre Dame, and then there's some that aren't quite there yet, but could be on their way in a few years, and and that's the big puzzle everyone's trying to figure out is you know down the line what does that look like with the ACC, and now Notre Dame with the TV contract coming up, but um, you know I, I think it'll be very cur- very interesting to see them make their move they want 75 and yet the big Ten's talking about how they're going to be doling out like 80 to 100 million so uh could they dole out 100 million on a regular basis if notre dame got brought into the picture i'm sure that's something that they're all trying to figure out right now because that independence is great i don't think you sacrifice that for anything other than like a 20 million dollar bump or something crazy but um you know if you're asking for 75 and maybe end up with 75 or maybe end up with 65 but joining a conference you could have 85 to 100 million I wonder if that's not the, the enticing enough to finally get them to maybe move off of their their position. But I do understand the value of that independence and being the only team that's like that amongst their peers. And I also know it doesn't as matter as much in the expanded playoff era, or does it? Because you think they get an automatic berth basically every year in an expanded playoff, um, but they'd have a pretty good shot of making it every year as a... It- Big Ten or ACC member, too, if that were the route they were to go, because 12 teams are making if it. If they so. walk and chew gum well, they're in the college football playoff, right? Yeah. Like like three or four of the SEC teams team, yes. or a couple from the Big Ten. On, uh, from CFP Plus, he's had a lot of good ones today. Are they that popular, or are they benefiting immensely from simply having games aired on NBC? I think it's a combination of yeah. both. Oh, I they're think, popular. Yeah. I they're just they haven't been as elite college football le- uh, relevant. I think they're be- popular. I think though some of the mystique gets blown out of proportion, like I was saying yeah. a few minutes ago. I think people still act like it's 1972, and like you know, it's it's just not. It's it's not that, and it hasn't been that for long enough now to the point of. Uh, go find somebody 20 and under who really is like Notre Dame football, baby, and, and talking about but its history and doing all that. that they, they don't exist. In 72, there were only like one or two games every weekend on I TV. just threw a yeah. random year yeah. out yeah, there. But, like, okay. I, I know. I, 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 here's the other thing, though, the value for NBC in that, okay, so say NBC, you know, broke out of the fog of that mystique that Craig's talking about. The thing is, is now you have to replace with something that you don't necessarily, you know what Notre Dame is. They're proven commodity as far as your ratings go. So if you decided, like, you know, if you're NBC and you kind of woke up from the fog and said, yeah, we're done with this. Well, now you have to replace it, right? Well, what's available for you to replace it with the Big currently? Ten. Well, they, they've added that. Yeah. But right now, as they negotiate with Notre Dame for 2025, there's nothing they can replace it with that would be guaranteed that good. I'm telling you, so, you know, it's going to take 
yeah, something but... extreme for Notre Dame to ever give up their independence. Yeah, like right? not getting $75 million or whatever, not right. getting anywhere close to that. Like if they're making 60 and then the Big Ten's making what Kevin Warren projected one day, they're making like $90 million. I mean, it's $30 million enough to give up your independence. That's what the question everybody's been asking for 20 years now at this point is what would it take for Notre Dame to jump off that position? And to me, some it would people be think college football they can be money-whipped like anybody else, yep. but – I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't know enough of the inside to to know and predict that one way or the other because I could just as easily see them saying, no, we'll sacrifice an extra $15 million to have all the other things that come with not having to be associated directly with 13 other, 15, what, 15 other schools, 16 other schools uh, potentially. It's just it, where do you see the value? And for them, I don't, I don't know exactly, but they've got a pretty valuable spot right now. Um, they are the team that would absolutely move the needle – uh, in whichever direction they would decide to go. Uh, but, yeah, that's a couple times now we've heard about what their desire is for this next TV deal. So we'll see what, what's offered up to them. Do they get hit with the same sports rights issues as other, you know, leagues have uh, potentially been hit with? Uh, what's the timing like when they, they go to the table uh, in that regard? But, yeah, I mean, but to your point, Paul, I mean, where are they going to replace it with? Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, USC? I mean, they're – they're, they're going to have plenty to replace that one game a week with if they so need to, um, but I know that it is valuable for them. Notre Dame is the Wilt Chamberlain of football from one choice. They have, was great in time but the SEC Big Ten run college football. Notre Dame would be in a conference, according to Toast, if conferences said that their other sports had to be independent as well. Other than football, what else is the draw for Notre Dame? That's from Toast. It's just the brands, the draw, as much as yeah. anything, and the, and the football part of it, yeah. And just the, the, what that brand and the value that that brings outside of, you know, sports. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an excellent point. I mean, they don't get me wrong. They still have the mystique. They still have the mystique that they could be the one lone dog out there on their own island by themselves and still manage and still survive just fine. I just say that the mystique of, like, this is Notre Dame, and this is the best you've ever seen and the best there ever was and the best – like, those days are long gone, and most people under, like, 40 probably don't even really relate to that in any way, shape, or form. And certainly under 30, they don't relate to it in and any way, shape, or form. Just and like they don't relate to Nebraska. Right. Let's just not, like – yeah. Let's not forget about – here's the other golden part of their deal is that they can go and get whatever they're going to get from NBC, and then they're still playing seven, six or seven – ACC games a year, and while not being a football member of that conference, are still getting paid for football games by the ACC. Like so, they they're double dipping in a way that they won't be able to in a lot of the places, and have just ridiculous will that can get things done. Again, what's the price for freedom? Yeah, because I know that, that's that they have freedom right now. Do they do they need thirty million dollars to be the gap to feel like they have to make the, and that's the question that nobody really knows. Like everybody can say, well, the, if they if the Big Ten's making eighty five million, they have to. No, they don't. They don't have to do anything. They're Notre Dame. Um, that part of the brand and that part of the mystique is is not changing. But what does that look like? And that's why they're they're projected want is of interest because it is a high number, much higher than they're making now. And it's all in line with all of these other things that are being timed up to potentially explode into this whole new iteration of right. of the top of college football. And so that's that's going to be fascinating. If you ranked all of the schools in a conference plus Notre Dame, 
as most valuable television entity, a college program, where would they be? They'd be number one. They'd be in the top five, at least, and possibly. One of the other notes about I look back to this Notre Dame, and then we got it to David Hellman. Since Lou Holtz and that national championship team, and he coached another seven, eight years after that at Notre Dame. Bob Davey, five years. George O'Leary didn't even coach a game. It was a resume issue. Mm-hmm. Tyrone Willingham, three. Kent Bayer was the interim for a, a game. Charlie Weiss, five. Brian Kelly was there for 12, so they had a long tenure with him, and then, of course, he ended up now at LSU. So they went through six coaches, three full-time coaches, right after Holtz left over a span of about 15 years. And that, that's the same thing when you look at other teams that used to be good, had consistency, durability, stability, and whatever continuity, and that's what seems to happen. All right, when we come back, David Hellman, Fox Sports, his thoughts on the Cowboys draft, but also the other stories in the NFL draft, and this is 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on and the people that I've counted on quite a few times myself, uh, whether it's getting fixed up after a ding on the side of my car, getting fixed up after a car wreck, uh, or if you even just need to go over there and get your oil changed, they can hook you up with that as well. But Richard Carr uh, is the dealership that has been in business now for over 25 years in Central Texas, or excuse me, just under 25 years in Central Texas, currently celebrating their 24th anniversary. They've got big savings on pre-owned cars and trucks and special savings on rides like the GMC Sierra and the lineup of Buick Envision SUVs. Those Sierra trucks are on the lot right now by the dozens. Qualified buyers can save thousands on 2023 GMC Sierra SLT or SLE 1500s. Get special 2.9% financing on the 2023 Sierra as well. Just talk to uh, the good folks over at the dealership for more information. If you're not looking for a truck, but instead an SUV, I mentioned those Buicks. Well, they've got the 2023 Encores, the Envisions, and the Enclaves. Qualified buyers can get low financing and save 2500 on the Buick Enclave Premium, 3500 on the Buick Enclave Avenir. Again, just talk to the good folks like Donnie over at Richard Carr, and they can provide you with more details and get you squared away. Also, if you're not looking to buy new, they've got a lot full of quality pre-owned vehicles as well, many of them under $20,000. They've been thoroughly inspected, and they're ready to finance for almost any credit rating, and perhaps you just want to drive your car a little while longer. You're not even looking to buy. Uh, well, they can hook you up with that as well, whether it's an oil change, getting your tires fixed up. Uh, they will get you back on the road, whatever the issue is, with their award-winning service department. You can go see service specials and set an appointment over at the website, richardcar.com. So go and celebrate uh, their anniversary with the good folks over there at Richard Carr. In the 24 years they've been in business, they've built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs. Run by proud Central Texans. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. One, two. I'm in love with a man named Rudy. I'm okay with that. He knows exactly what I want. Fall in love with Rudy's Tasty Oak Smoked Barbecue. Next in line. <laughs> TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. 
Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB, your bank for life. Member FDIC. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Automatic Chef Canteen is a full-service micro-market vending and office coffee provider with state-of-the-art vending equipment, a wide variety of products, and offering custom-fitted micro-market vending office coffee solutions for your employee break room. You want a full break room solution and a workplace oasis? Well, Automatic Chef Canteen, locally owned and operated for over 50 years in Central Texas, also includes in-house mechanics on call 24-7 for fast, reliable service and maintenance. Automatic Chef Canteen, 6900 Imperial Drive in Waco or online at automaticchefcanteen.com. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at goarmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses. When it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with David Hellman of FoxSports.com. David Hellman, what a weekend it was. The NFL draft Thursday, first round Friday, second, third round, and then Saturday, all of the others, four through seven, and then, of course, undrafted free agents. David, thank you for your time with Paul Craig, David Smoke. So, what did you do when you saw the Deuce Vaughn moment with his dad, Chris, calling him? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, I'm sure I was, well, I, I'm probably not as emotional as everybody. I don't, I don't have kids, so I think that kind of lessens the impact. But honestly, <laughs> for, me, for me, it was it was incredibly surreal because I used to work in that building uh, for a long time. I know Chris pretty well. Uh, I, I know Chris well enough that, I mean, I've, I've known who Deuce was before he was ever a college football star. And uh, from the time Deuce got to Kansas State, we would joke with Chris, like, oh, you're going to be scouting your own son. Like last year at the draft, uh, Chris came in to our studio to talk to us about, shoot, I don't even I don't even remember who they drafted last year. I'm getting old. But he came in to talk to us about a draft pick. And we were like, you know, we're going to be bringing you back in here next year when uh, when your son gets drafted. And we, we're kind of, it's, it's kind of jokes, you know, not 
not that he's not going to get drafted, but like, what are the odds that, that we would be talking about him as a Cowboys pick? And so uh, all of that stuff is context just to think about uh, remembering when he got recruited and remembering when he became the starter and Chris joking about like, Oh, I'm going to have to step out of the room when they talk about him. And then it, it really played out that way. It was just kind of one of those things where you're like, what are the odds? And, uh, and obviously it was, it was incredibly cool. Very excited for the Vaughn family. David, what's your overall assessment of what they did? Um, yeah, it was boring. It was a, it was a boring draft and and that's not to say that it's bad it's not to say that it's good or bad we obviously never know obviously people have hated a ton of picks that turned out to be incredible players and people have loved a lot of picks that turned out to be bust it's not about whether or not they're good or bad but I think the Cowboys spent the weekend addressing the functional parts of their team um you know their run defense was abysmal last year they used their first round pick on a guy that can stuff the run uh their run offense was not as good down the stretch last year. They drafted a guy who can step in. And, yeah, Luke Schoonmaker is going to help you in the passing game. But the appeal, at least right away, is that this is a guy that should be able to step in and help contribute to your running game. I think uh, I think the Cowboys are tired of being you know, thought of as a finesse team. Uh, and so I think they spent a lot of resources – bulking up their size, bulking up their ability to stop the run and and play the run on offense. And that's not sexy. You know, there's there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of names in this draft class that are going to sell jerseys probably. But if they turn out to be good players and the Cowboys have a nasty defensive front because of it, or if they have uh, a very efficient running game because Luke Schoonmaker's doing his thing on the, on the, on the uh, edge, then I don't think anybody's going to be upset about it. But definitely not a very flashy weekend. Uh, one player in particular, we talk a lot of Big 12 on here, but what did you think about the DeMarvion Overshone pick? I think I would use the word intrigued, um, mainly just because I think, I think I mean, much like Mozzie Smith, I think this is an upside pick. Like, in their mind, I think DeMarvion Overshone – He's incredibly athletic. I think uh, I think his instincts are still coming along. I don't think of this guy as somebody who's like always in the right place at the right time or knows what's coming ahead of time the way that that like a blue chip linebacker prospect might. Uh, but he's incredibly athletic. He used to be a safety, so I think that says a lot about the way that he can move. Uh, he brings a little bit. As, as, a, as a rusher, you know, I think he had six sacks last year. He's a guy that can do stuff for you as a blitzer. And you think about the fact that, I mean, the Cowboys basically use safeties as extra linebackers as it is. You know, Jaron Curse and Donovan Wilson thrive in the box anyway. So he fits right into that role as kind of a hybrid guy. I don't think you're not going to play him um, deep like a free safety, I don't think. But this is a guy who can be – uh, a dime and nickel linebacker who doesn't give up any speed uh, while still being able to play the linebacker position against passing offenses. So it's intriguing. Um, I I don't have high expectations that he's going to make a huge impact as a rookie. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Um, but but you're taking a flyer on the athleticism paying dividends in the long run. I don't I don't dislike it at all. Would you have done that in the third round? 
Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think the the big complaint, I think if if you have a complaint coming out of this draft, it's that they didn't draft a guard. Uh, you know, they had a chance to do it in the second round with with Osiris Torrance, and then uh, the NC State kid uh, Chandler Zavala was there in the third round. So maybe they do that. Um, I I do think it's perplexing that. It, it, I've said this before already. It, it reminds me a lot of receiver last year where everybody in the world is like, um, hey, you guys need a guard. And the Cowboys are like, no, we're good. We're okay. Um, so that is that is a little strange to me, but that's not the Marvion Overshone's fault. And I think, right. um, I think the athleticism – and again, I know third round is a big round, but when you're talking about pick 90, um, that's that's pretty far back to the point where – I think you're starting to lose the expectation that you're getting a day one starter anyway. Uh, I think if you look back through the Cowboys' recent track record, you're probably not getting an every down player in the third round. You know, Jalen Tolbert didn't do anything last year. Connor McGovern missed most of his rookie season. Even Michael Gallup, who had a nice rookie season as a third round pick, still wasn't, uh, you know, an every snap component of their offense. So if you keep all of that stuff in mind, uh, I, I think it's fine. Yeah, David, what um, what pick uh, had you scratching your head the most? I mean, probably Mozzie Smith, and that's I actually I I I like the pick. I liked it at the time, and I like it even more now that I've gotten to do a little bit more research on the guy. But when you talk about scratching your head, it's just a departure from everything we've come to associate with the Cowboys. I mean, they famously have ignored defensive tackle specifically nose tackle this is the first defensive tackle they've drafted in the first round since Russell Maryland so do the math on that I mean that's like 34 years um 32 years whatever it is so I was just I was very caught off guard because it bucked a lot of trends that we thought we knew about the Cowboys so um it was surprising and confusing but not necessarily in a bad way well good thing the Eagles didn't get any better right David on paper <laughs> Yeah, hey, the Eagles are a very, very well-run team. I've been saying for a year it's incredible that Howie Roseman put a playoff contender together while having an extra first-round pick. So you knew they were going to have a chance to do damage. And then Howie Roseman is also – he is not afraid to use some resources on another team's player. He gets DeAndre Swift this weekend. Uh, last year he got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who led the league in picks for the cost of like a fifth round pick. Like the guy's just very good at his job. Um, so I know Cowboy fans are, are in their feelings about that a little <laughs> bit as they probably should be. But uh, I guess the consolation is like the Eagles were going to be good anyway. Like it's not like, it's not like we weren't taking the Eagles seriously and now all of a sudden they're contenders. Like the Eagles were the favorites to win the NFC before draft weekend started, and they certainly are now. So uh, it shouldn't exactly come as a surprise. What were your thoughts on how the Texans handled the second and then moving up to get the third pick? I hope they're right. I hope they're, I hope they're right. Specifically, and again, it's not Will Anderson's fault. Will Anderson is a hell of a football player. Um, but to trade away that many resources – as a team that's probably going to be bad, you know, even with the strides that the Texans have made, I don't see them as a playoff team. 
they might not they might be worse than that. So I mean you're talking about very likely having a shot at a top ten pick this year and you're not gonna be able to use it because coveted one player that much. Um you know, if Will Anderson is J.J. Watt, nobody's going to care. And hopefully he is because I, I like him a lot. He's been he's been dominant in the SEC for three years at this point. I mean, we've been talking about him getting drafted in the top five since probably 20, if not 2020, then even before that. So it's not a knock on him, but when you take a swing like that on one player, you bet. Right. And so me personally – I would always rather have the resources. I would always rather, you know, if I were the Texans right now, and let's say, you know, in an alternate universe, let's say they draft C.J. Stroud at two and uh, and Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner, at 12. You say, all right, we've got a really promising cornerback tandem and a quarterback we can build our offense around, and we've still got two first-round picks next year. Hell, yeah, that's really easy to sell. Uh, but now that's gone. So um, it's not a knock on Will Anderson, but I really hope they're right that he was worth it. I, I will only counter that argument with this. The Houston Texans, by their very nature, since day one, are the most mundane franchise in the NFL. They, they picked the most obvious name they could have ever had for themselves. They, uh, every move they've made along the way, save for a couple has been very basic. So this is the first time, David, I think it's probably worth the risk for them to shake things up because they have been very boring as far as building their team for a very long time. I hear you. And I, and I mean, there's more that goes into this than just pure draft strategy. Like, the only, you gotta you gotta sell tickets. You gotta get the city to believe in the franchise again. Like I get all that stuff, but um, you know it, it's a cliche for a reason. But like the team that the team that does the sexiest stuff on draft weekend isn't always the team that's winning football games. I mean, look, if they're right about these two guys, then hell yeah, good for them. They're gonna look awesome. They've got a building block player on each side of the ball, and they'll be in good shape. But you know. Uh, I mean, case in point, look at look at the Denver Broncos. You know, nobody in their right mind thought we'd be sitting here with the Denver Broncos missing the playoffs and really wishing they had a first-round pick uh, because when you do a move like that, you think it's going to work out. But I just hope the Texans aren't sitting, you know, I hope they don't play badly enough to get a top-five pick and then they're sitting there watching Arizona decide how to use their pick. That sounds pretty tough to stomach to me. David, thank you. Hope you had a great weekend, got a little rest, enjoyed it, and uh, we start working on 2024 with Caleb Williams and um, Drake May and among others. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. David Hellman. Fox Sports with us on 365 Sports. When we come back, oh, one quick note. Do you have the Bruins tweet real quick? This is uh, just Craig's going to get more into the hockey and NBA playoffs, of course, next week. The Bruins' loss to Florida, Chuck Cooperstein put all this in perspective. They had the best record in the history of ever in a one year. Most wins, most points. They lost in the game seven at home to Florida, a one against an eight. Uh, in 1971, they lost to Montreal to a college goalie who had just played six games. Ken Dryden wound up being pretty good. He ended up being a Hall of Famer, won a bunch of Stanley Cup. 2010, lost to Philly. Led the series three games to none. 
led 3 nothing in Game 7. 2019, lost to St. Louis in the final. Last year, lost to Florida in overtime. Had a lead in the last minute, or this year. They have been a wreck when it comes to, and the expectations. I remember one year the Mavericks were the best team in the West. They were a number one seed, and they lost to Golden State. Not the one you know now, but Baron Davis in Golden State, who got hot, and that's what can happen in the postseason. Yeah. And that is absolutely nothing compared to the Boston Bruins history and expectations and all of that. I know what you mean about the Mavs being a top seed. That has, to me, nothing on the, the Bruins uh, in their history. Although, like, you're not going to find sports fans that are sympathetic to that city at all. If you sure. are born after, like, born in 2000, your life as a Boston sports fan mm. has very little pain. Like, your ancestors will sit down and tell you, like, oh, son, you don't know what it's like to feel pain. And then he's like, yeah, I don't, because the whole life... They have nothing but parades in, in Boston for sports teams forever and ever and ever. Uh, so nobody's got any sympathy. The Bruins are in that. They won the Stanley Cup a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, that, that losing to Florida game seven at home, man. Like, just I didn't know, like, I didn't know the history of how bad they are. Game seven at home, uh, their new thing should be close it out in six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice. But to lose on your home ice, you could hear that – that arena went dead silent. Oh, it was crickets. Like, it was yeah. awkward. It was really awkward, and it was all overtime, so it was sudden over, like done. All right, when we come back, Paul Catalina's top five, and this is on a Monday, 365 Sports. Aaron Duvall, owner, Texas Beef House. Why did you get into this business? We kind of were born into it, and it's been for uh, several generations. Our family's been in the, in the beef business, uh, the, the ranching business, and we've specifically – Got into the beef business uh, back in about 2015 when uh, me and my son uh, decided to form Texas Beef House and uh, sell directly to the public. Aaron, everyone yeah. knows about Wagyu and, and, and how elite that is when it comes to beef. What separates you from anyone else that may do this in this type profession? We um, selected out Wagyu mainly because it's, uh, it's such a quality beef and uh, it's consistent. Some beef, some breeds, you, know, you may have uh, you know a good animal every now and then, but Wagyu produces really consistently good beef every time. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers 
Composers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5, brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 best drafts. This is, again, my opinion, but... Let's go to number five. We just talked about a little bit, the Houston Texans. Uh, I said it the other day. I love what they did in the first round. I, I like them getting aggressive. I, you know, I agree with what David just said in that most years, if you have two and 12, the thing is they could kept their strategy and they could have taken, you know, CJ Stroud at two. They could have taken Christian Gonzalez or somebody at 12. And then if they needed an edge rusher, then you you can get, you know, one of those guys at 33 where they were um, that, that, you know, was pretty highly thought of, but you know what? Um, that's not what they did. Um, they got aggressive and added Will Anderson, but it's not just that that I really liked about their draft. I really liked um, Tank Dell in the third round of the 69th pick. Henry Cho'o Cho'o, uh, the linebacker from Alabama, they got him in the fifth round. And Xavier Hutchinson in the sixth round at 205. Uh, I think that's an incredible value for a guy with as much production as Xavier Hutchinson has. I really like what they did all, all the way up and down. Look, they drafted two centers. Uh, one of them could also play guard, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame. But Juice Scruggs in the second round, also a really good player coming out of Penn State. Uh, I, I think for the first time, even after they drafted Deshaun Watson, I didn't think the things they did subsequently were really all that great. I think this is a, a they are actually on on a bit of an upward climb. I think so, especially if CJ Stroud works out. And um, I also think they handled it masterfully with, you know, convincing everybody that they weren't going to do exactly what they did. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it was a uh, you know, very exciting start to the draft. I don't know how much, you know, the uh, – convincing needed to be done I, like that this that that's never made sense all the yeah. rumors about them moving off the way they did but i mean yeah it was played well they they got what they wanted obviously in the end but i just i don't see the sense in some of that sometimes and uh it just again it didn't make a lot of sense but no i mean i really liked their class i mean i'm not a, a draft analyst that's compared to them across the league to everybody but uh, on paper it certainly seems like they got receivers and they needed receivers they got a quarterback they needed a quarterback they got an edge rusher they needed a, you know pass rusher um seems like they pretty much got everything they needed to start this D'Amico ryan's era um on paper it looks good uh let's see what he does with it but um he's an exciting guy and um, I'm I'm thrilled to see what Jalen Petrie can do under him and, and now joined by some other star players as well. Yeah, I think, you know, Jalen Petrie with D'Amico Ryans is, is going to be really fun to watch. Number four, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, 
you know, stayed pat. Like, they didn't move around. They had two ones, two twos, two fours, two fives. I mean, so they stayed where they were, and uh, they didn't move around early. Uh, but Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, uh, very much a Seattle Seahawks-looking corner. Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20, the best route runner in the draft. Um, and the wide receivers held on for a while, and they had that run of four in a row. Um, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, you know, the one who might, we'll see, he might be the best of all of them. I think he was the highest rated going in. Getting Derek Hall in the second round, Ed Retro out of Auburn. Zach Charbonnet, yes, they already have Kenneth Walker, but he missed a ton of time last year hurt. So they get back to being what Pete Carroll likes as a team with a ton of good running backs that you can roll through. Anthony Bradford, guard from LSU. Uh, Garrett, you know him, really good. Mm-hmm. Good player. Um, you know, really all their first, you know, I want to say six or seven picks have a chance to start within a year or two. And I think that's that's really good. And they've got a good organization there. They, um, you know, they didn't draft a quarterback. A lot of people thought that they might. And I think that they, they let that float out there so that maybe they could get some intriguing uh, trade offers. Never happened for them. But uh, they've got Geno Smith coming off a career year. Uh, and everything set up around him looks pretty good uh, on both sides of the ball for the Seahawks to, to make a run in the NFC West, which in a side of the conference, everything's wide open. Well, they're clearly building around Geno, uh, mm-hmm. at least for the time being. But, yeah, I mean, I don't – think people got excited as excited about the back half of their draft as the first half of it but who often does I mean the mm-hmm. first half's got all the star players and as far as that goes I mean yeah getting Zach Charbonnet getting Jackson Smith and Jigba getting Devin Witherspoon um Derek Hall I mean that's a pretty good little haul right there so yeah I think you have to be excited about what they did especially early yeah number three uh this one was you know look and, and I think you can maybe you know, question the first pick but he is the combine monster, and we'll see what they can do, and uh, let's see if Shane Steichen can develop into Anthony Richardson. But everything they did after that uh, sets them up in case he doesn't work out to me to be able to maybe put somebody else in, but they they pray that Anthony Richardson works out. Love Julius Brents from Kansas State. Uh, big, long corner. Really thought he – I was kind of hoping the Cowboys would get a crack at him because he, he feels to me like a Dan Quinn guy. Josh Downs is an excellent wide receiver for North Carolina. In the third round uh, – Blake Freeland from BYU, uh, really good offensive tackle. Um, Otto Towima, Otto Wobore from Northwestern. It was a guy who's really tested out well. Cornerback again at Darius Rush from South Carolina. Will Mallory at tight end, really good. Jalen Jones in the seventh round. A kid from A&M. A&M, yep. who, was, who was pretty highly thought of in like some circles. Him. And Jake Witt, one of the guys we had on the show yep. from Northern Michigan, uh, was their last pick in the seventh round. Like what the Colts did, they used all their, their, their draft picks really, really well. Uh, and um, I, I think, you know, they're, they're setting their team up to be young and aggressive and uh, hopefully, by the time Anthony Richardson starts, for their sake and all the Colts fans' sake, um, you know they are they're going to be good and ready to go. Yeah, they addressed a lot of needs. Um, you see what Shane Steichen can do with it, but it's all revolves around Anthony Richardson. Yep. To me. That's what we're going to remember this draft yep. for. Um, you know, other guys might become stars, and then we remember back ten years from now on. Remember that 23 draft when the Colts drafted so-and-so in the third or whatever, but odds are we're probably talking about Anthony Richardson and whether he was the right pick uh, and how he compared to those around him uh, and how what a a ballsy move to go get the dude who's now a huge star or what a stupid move to bank on athleticism as being like 
the draw to making you pull the trigger on that. I don't know. That's the fun part about the draft is none of us really do, but we do get entertained by the big risks that these guys take, and often those end up relating to their job security. So uh, Anthony Richardson's a big deal for a lot of people involved and uh, just, you know, ready to uh, to sit back like everybody else and see, you know, whether he lives up to uh, the billing or, or what ends up happening with uh, him. All right, so let me ask you this. Who has been in the last, let's say, 20 years, who has been Anthony Richardson coming out of college that was talented, physically a specimen that made it or someone who came out and did not? Like Jamarcus Russell, which has been about 20 years at LSU. Just no way. Yeah, um, Jamarcus Russell also got bit by the dumbass bug, too, yeah. which I don't think that uh, the bug. Yeah, that Anthony Richardson did. You know, I would, I would say that if you are, especially if you're looking at right now, and it's, he's probably benefited from the fact that Justin Fields just had an excellent year, mm-hmm. really, even on a bad team, like more than anybody thought was going to come out of him because they figured out how to use him the right way in Chicago. Uh, already, you know, you've got quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts who um, – is you know maybe the, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the league anyway, and, and the hardest working. Um, but he's in that offense like Shane Steichen, and then you have Lamar Jackson who who plummeted say, yeah. in the draft. But Lamar Jackson's been wildly successful, uh, and that I think that's what they're kind of hoping. Cam from Newton, Anthony Richardson, yeah, Cam, Cam Newton, a physical uh, someone different. Cam was I don't think of him. I don't think so, man. Yeah. I think Cam Newton was a pretty sure dead yeah. thing, unless I'm remembering incorrectly. But I feel like he was a pretty. Well thought of commodity. Um, I think the guy it would be interesting to compare him to is Will Levis yeah. because there's somebody who didn't mm-hmm. rise because of traits. He fell because of various traits. So, um, you know, how those two stack up in the future I think will be really interesting because they went completely opposite directions and were part of that initial, you know, quarterback grouping. So, yeah, I, I don't know, but – I, and maybe I'm wrong on Cam. I just feel like he was a big star, and everybody kind of expected him to be a star. But Lamar, he was somebody that there was definitely doubts about. And, you know, a lot of those have been proven wrong, or some are still hanging on to him. Yeah. Uh, number two, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I, I would have put their number one except for my number one team, who I, I thought really just Florida crushed. State number one? No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, they only had one player in the draft, Jamie, Jamie Robinson. Uh, and he only played there a year. Uh, but uh, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, um, right off the bat, to get Nolan Smith at 30, to get Jalen Carter at 9, and then to get Sidney Brown, who might be the best safety in the draft, in the third round. And then Keely Ringo, a guy who's starting the year, everybody thought he was going to be the guy picked fifth, like Devin Witherspoon. Now, look, those things happen for a reason. But to be able to get him in the fourth and then let him learn behind Darius Slay and guys like that for a year and then maybe take over, uh, really great uh, overall. The Eagles just continue to kill it in every and, aspect and, of everything. And and they got Swift. Yeah, they got DeAndre Another Swift. Running back. And I'll throw this out there. Uh, he may not even make the team, but one of their undrafted free agents is Eli Ricks, who was one of the highly recruited players in the country when he came out, played at LSU and Alabama. They've got him on that roster, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, I will also say, though, I saw a lot of people celebrating that. Uh, they passed on him how many times? Yeah. And every other team passed on him how many times? So there was a reason for that. But, yeah, as an undrafted guy, he might be a, a nice diamond in the rough. But there, there also was a reason that, 32 teams multiple times a piece said, no, we're going to go with somebody else. But, yeah, yeah that could be a good after-the-draft signing. 259 times. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. So, on him, yeah. And oh, Philadelphia, yeah, it just, man, I, your texts right. to us were funny. 
<laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my Eagles. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, number one, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this, to me, value for value, start like guys are going to be starters really soon. Broderick Jones is going to start at, at tackle for them this year. Joey Porter is going to start at cornerback for them this year, at least in the top three. Keanu Benton, uh, defensive tackle from Wisconsin, go watch him and tell me that's not a Pittsburgh freaking Steeler right there. Just built for what they do forever. And he's going to get to play next to Cam Hayward. That's a lot of human being just between two guys. Uh, then Darnell Washington just falls in their lap at 93. Um, because of medical concerns. And that was a guy I really wanted the Cowboys to draft, but all of a sudden they care about people's knees. They drafted a linebacker with freaking drop foot a few years ago, but you know, a tight end whose knees are swelling, that's something else. I don't know. But Darnell Washington fell to them. Nick Herbig, outside linebacker for Wisconsin, fits in that defense really well. And Corey Trice, a quarterback from Purdue, pretty much only fell because he had some nagging injury in issues uh, you know over the last couple years but tested out really well and again really fits into what they do so they've got I think six starters in this draft uh, right off the bat and pound for pound to me the best one that they had and the Steelers are starting to look like the Steelers again when it comes to building their team and if Kenny Pickett hits Man, yeah, uh, we could be talking about. They're always good about letting the draft come to them. The Cowboys have started to do that a little bit, you know. In recent years, have had success. Some and they, they do, did trade up programs. to get Broderick Jones because they recognized <laughs> the need, but still came out with Broderick Jones, Joey Porter Jr., Keanu Benton, and Darnell Washington. Their first four. So picks. I got it's a conspiracy. Joey Porter, no one was going to pick him, right? Because they wanted him to go to Pittsburgh. No other teams. <laughs> and Deuce Vaughn went six plus rounds, and or nearly five plus rounds. And nobody was going to steal him away from the Cowboys because of the emotions, right? Well, Joey Porter Jr. and Nolan Smith will pretty much determine how people feel about Mozzie Smith. Like, those are the two guys that he really has to outplay. Um, and maybe, maybe to an extent, Michael Mayer, who a lot of Cowboys fans were excited about, who fell uh, several picks later uh, into the second round. But, like, other than that, like, those are the two guys that he's going to have to outplay. Uh, for Cowboys fans, at least, but you know, I, I, we'll see. I went and looked back at uh, some of the Cam Newton talk. I feel like most of the criticism he got, just to follow back up on that, uh, was his personality. Mm-hmm. I think that was most. Yeah. I don't think it was really about his game. I, I, one of the things I'm reading, it's all about his personality and not anything about his actual Good. game. So that was. I know some of that was with Levis too. There was the comment about you know a little bit of arrogance on his part, but uh, but yeah, Anthony Richardson is. It's a seems like a boomer bust type of pick the way it's been presented so we'll see whether he booms or or bust just like every other player in this draft and every other quarterback for that matter all right so jake witt was drafted mm-hmm. he joined us remember as part of our group of prospects kind of unique stories off the radar sleepers foskey from notre dame went early mm-hmm. i've heard he's built like a ceo ring around him of of, of a, a group which is good or maybe too much and then Corey Mayfield Jr. was not drafted by UTSA out of UTSA, but was signed. No, no, signed. He uh, was signed afterwards. He was yeah, signed afterwards as one of. And the you mentioned the Syracuse kicker. Uh, he went. To, he's staying at home. He's going to to play for the Bears. Okay, so, all right, good. Um, uh, Mark Evans uh, also got signed. I'm I'm forgetting where now. I want to say Los Angeles Rams, but I so Lauren I'm not Birchfield sure. and Neil Stratton hit it for us because all of them are in the NFL, and a lot of those stories they could have just been forgotten so Here, good for them here's what i will do uh when twitter keeps starts working for me i think people are having trouble with the desktop app i will go through and tweet out all the ones that we had 
Uh, Andrew Schmidt. Andrew Schmidt. Andre Schmidt. Andre Schmidt, uh, Jake Witt, all those guys. I'll tweet all all the ones we had. All right. Yeah, Foskey was maybe the the one that was a no-brainer for all the ones. I think he was on Friday or so. Emery Winter, thank you. Garrett Ross, thank you. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, thank you both. Thanks to our great sponsors. Those of you today in the chat room and also who watch us, who don't get in there, but you watch us on a daily basis or whenever you can, we appreciate it. The text line was open, too. I'm David Smoke. Thank you so much. Back at it again tomorrow. This is 365 Sports. Good night.